Can I just say, like, joking aside, fucking Derek Morgan, though. This episode? Derek. Can we just shout out Shamar Moore? His acting this episode was incredible. Like, he's so funny as, like, the sexy alley cat, etc. But fuck if that dude cannot tug at my goddamn heartstrings, huh? This bitch can act. Wow. (laughs) Honestly, that bitch can act. That bitch can act. And, like, we see a tiny sneak peek of it in the um, bomb episode in The Empty Planet. But, oh, so emotional. He can fucking act. I got sad. I got sad, too. I was just, like, sitting there with my little embroidery, like, going along. And I was like, this episode is genuinely making me very sad. Genuinely so sad. Gosh, there's so many little tiny moments in this that I wrote down. Everyone was on their A-game this episode. Oh, my God. Yeah. I really wish we had gotten, not to, like, skip to the end, but, like, some sort of Derek Garcia something. Yeah. This never comes up. I know. I feel like they need, like, a cute bestie moment to sort of, like, bring it back. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of, like, would... The team, no. Like, would, like only Hotch and Gideon were there. So is this something that they just kind of like... But they would have to know, because they would be like, why did Carl Buford get arrested? You know, And also, like, they would have had to, like, at least tangentially look up this case afterwards. Right, like, to do the paperwork. Yeah. So they would know. And it just kind of never gets... Well, it comes back in a later episode way down the line it comes back this comes back up but other than that there isn't really any recognition of this moment except for the fact that i do think this is the real beginning of derek having like emotional thoughtful scenes you know this is This is where Derek becomes, like, a character. Like a human complex person, yeah. Yes, exactly. This is when Derek becomes, like, a human character. Yeah, we've had some peeks at it in the the past, you know, but I think that if you are watching for the first time and you don't know about this and his backstory, it comes off as, like, gruff and angry man, you know. Yeah. But if you know, you know. Uh, But I think that now that it's out there in the open, fairly early in the show, middle of season two, this comes out. Mm -hmm. From now on, all of his moments are colored by this, you know, which I think is really interesting and good. I love Derek. I love this episode. Me too. Hey, James. Yeah. You want to talk about season two, episode 12, Profiler Profiled here on our podcast, Wheels Up? B, I would freaking love to. This is Wheels Up. <laughs> what an awkward pause. Is the music like, going to start here? Is this where the music starts now? <laughs> no, the music... Oh, fuck. How do I edit? I don't edit this podcast anymore. I don't know where the music's going. I probably won't be editing this episode. I don't know. I'm going to pretend... Take whatever you want. We're going to do the intro. I'm going to uh-huh. say, is this where the music starts? The music is going to start...
and then I'm going to say, welcome back. This is real stuff. <laughs> no, we do the music before we do the... Yeah, but normally there's some sort of like trail off blah, blah, blah. But we ended it with like, it's good and it's interesting. Hey, we should talk about it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's called. That's why it's called the cold open. There's no trail off. Sometimes you just cut a sentence. Here we are. Chaotic episode back of Wheels Up. <laughs> Jesus. Also, I have a lot of floor energy right now. You, I noticed that you were on the floor and I didn't want to like question it because sometimes you just need to be on the floor. You know what I mean? One, yes, it, it's a floor day. Two, no chair sounds if I'm on the fucking floor. Oh, so true. Actually, is this the greatest move you've made in the history of Wheels Up? <laughs> just sitting on the floor? The only thing better was... Fisher King part one bed energy. <laughs> I forgot you were sitting like in your childhood bed Just during that episode. Lounging in my childhood bedroom, <laughs> mid mental breakdown. Wait, do you remember the episode I recorded while like bundled up in blankets because oh my I God. had to keep the heat off? Yeah. Or my heat was like off or whatever. I don't even remember what made, episode that I was. I was on my bed in yeah. a turtleneck and joggers with a blanket wrapped around me talking about. <laughs> I feel like you even like had a heater. Yeah. Yeah. I had Just, my little personal heater on. <laughs> every now and then you get bed energy. And here's the thing. You don't know when it'll happen. Never. There's no way of predicting when you'll have bed energy. No. You just have to like feel it. And even more than that, you have a standing desk adjustable. So sometimes Mm -hmm. you've got standing energy. Sometimes you've got sitting energy. Honestly. Sometimes I change mid-episode. I just mute myself and stand up. I like this flow energy. I might hang on to the flow energy, but our new office is going to have a guest bed in it. So a lot more bed energy. Okay. Okay. Hey, what's the vibe for this week besides floor energy? The vibe for this week is a uh, few trigger warnings right at the top. Yeah, uh-huh. You want to run run those down? Yeah, I mean, the major trigger warning is childhood sexual abuse. Yeah. A lot of trusted adults taking advantage of the children who trust them. That's kind mm-hmm. of right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Dead kids always hard a heavy bit of racism this episode as well i do want to talk about this as we go through but they never talk about it Derek does call stan gordinsky i'm calling him stan he doesn't deserve the respect of <laughs> we're just name. calling him stan <laughs> oh so the bald cop's name is waldy his name at least he said his name and he was like it's waldy Baldin." i was like mm. <laughs> something denison I would love it if it was just like Waldo Dennison. I straight up was like, is his name Waldy? You know he got called Waldy the Baldy. Oh, you know he did. Oh, for sure. He's only on IMDb as Detective Dennison. Okay, I swear to you his first name is Waldy without subtitles. Maybe it was like Walden Dennison, but it was. I I think it was probably something like Walden or Waldo because those are both like names that people have instead of Waldy. He's Waldy. In my notes, and that's what I'm going to call him. Waldy the Baldy. All right. He's anyway. just Waldy now. <laughs> He's just Waldy. Stan and Waldy. <laughs> um, Stan does get called by Derek a racist. He's like, You're, he's racist. There's the yeah. heavy implication by his sisters, Desiree and Sarah, that Stan has been after him because he's like a young black kid. Mm-hmm. 
who got in trouble once. And then proceeded to do better in life than Detective Gordinsky ever did. Like, <laughs> Right. Stan sucks ass. But I think it's supposed to be countered, or not countered, but I think that Stan justifies his racism toward Derek by thinking so highly of Buford. I feel like he tries to do that, yeah. Yeah, he's like, Buford and I have been close since my cop days, since my beat cop days. Yeah. You know, which says a lot because it was during Gordinsky's beat cop days that he started chasing after Derek. So it's like, how long has Buford been using Stan to protect himself? Yeah. I just, yeah, it, it feels very, I, on one hand, I like that they don't make it like a big deal textually. You know what I mean? Sure, like, sure, sure, I sure. like that they kind of like leave it as subtext, but I also feel like it might fail some people who don't live in America who don't know that Chicago is like a majority black city. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I feel like a lot of that subtext might get a little washed away if you're not. If you don't have a knowledge of Chicago, you know what I mean? I think Chicago also has a pretty big class divide. Yes, it does. Because, you know, we see Derek walking around his, you know, neighborhood. And there's, it seems like most of these kids don't have father figures. That's why they go for yeah. Buford. Um, and in Derek's cases, that was a cop. So, and who was killed, who didn't leave the family. We don't know about the other boys why they don't have fathers but you see where he is has grown up and there's gang violence mm-hmm. and um james the kid who lives who derek talks to in the end his sister is eight and was paralyzed in a drive-by yeah. that's kind of where derek grew up and james even says i have to make something of myself so that I can get my family out of here. So there's Mm -hmm. definitely this kind of like class, even if Stan doesn't want to say it's racial, it's definitely class. Like he was a white beat cop in the 70s and 80s in a poor neighborhood, a poor black neighborhood of Chicago. And he targeted Derek and never let him go. And even at Mm -hmm. the end, when Buford admits to having assaulted Derek, Gordinsky does not apologize. There's like, you know, there's a moment of like, he looks at him and he nods and he's at the funeral at the end, but there is no word spoken. Yeah, we will, we will have something to say when we reach the end of this episode. Honestly, though, like, I just want to put this out there. I like this episode a lot. Yeah. I generally think this is a really, really good episode of Criminal Minds. Like, I feel like it is a hard line to walk between. Get it? It's about race. Get it? It's about race. And having it be real and authentic. I think Black people, specifically like inner city Black people, would watch this episode and get it. Yeah. And get what it means and how like, you know, we talked about this with Derek in the beginning, how they put him in suits to kind of try and like avoid the stereotype of like a macho buff black mm-hmm. guy. They put him in suits, you know, and now he gets he has been wearing much more comfortable clothing, his kind of like T-shirt, 
you know, dress pants or like nice pair of jeans, like more casual. He hasn't been in yeah. suits all the time because we know mm-hmm. him more, you know. But I think that this, you know, and of course we're both white female type people. Um, but I think it's it is a big deal for men and specifically black men to have this kind of vulnerability and to speak out against other black men or you know to get out of that impoverished area like it means a lot more than we could know and I I feel like there's a lot of stuff happening in this episode that you know we picked up on because we've kind of done the work as white people but at the same time it would hit so much harder I'm sure if you were a black person who has I mean have a they all experience bad experiences with the police you know yeah. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I will say this is easily, I think, one of the best episodes of season two. Top three, at least. I'd say one of the best episodes are coming to minds. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah, top for me, it would probably fall, fall probably maybe like top 10, top five of Criminal Minds, period. I was going to say somewhere yeah, in there. Top 10 for me, for sure. God, do, do you realize, um, James, James, do you realize that I'm going to make us rank our top 10 favorite episodes of Criminal Minds at the very end in. Are we going to have to go through the, we're going to rank the top episodes of all 15 Yeah, and then we're going to go through there and find our top episodes overall. Also, I think we might do, I recently did this on Afterbite and it was really fun. We did like a March Madness style Mm -hmm. bracket with our top four episodes of the first four seasons. (laughs) And I was like, that was a lot of fun to mix it up and like find the Mm -hmm. best app. So I think we'll do some other stuff there. But just know in your heart of hearts that in fucking 10 years, or 13 years when we finish this fucking podcast, I'm going to make us do that. I will sit your ass down. We yeah. will talk about every <laughs> single episode and be like, what are the best? What are the best? Yeah. Okay. So let's start the episode then. The first episode is a very fun episode that has nothing to do with Darren. Yeah, they're really, it's really just like team building and like vibing. Like it's really fun. It's just like vibing. Silly goofy mood. Read okay, so I used to do this with the film canister. I used to do this as a kid. Um, the physics magic. Uh basically what it is is you get a film canister. Um, for you young folk, camera <laughs> used to use rolls of film, and the rolls of film would come in a little plastic canister like that. Um <laughs> anyway, you put water and alka seltzer and be- alka seltzer you know, is, is an antacid. You put it in water, you dissolve it, it gets fizzy. Um, but because you're keeping it in like a c- compressed space, mm-hmm. the bubbles build, the carbon dioxide builds and builds and builds, and then it just pops off. Um, we shoot it all the time. We would put red food coloring in it. <laughs> so we could like, well, so we could better see it, like shoot off. We did it in the backyard, not <laughs> somewhere it would stain. I was like, shit, you're out here fucking shooting people with little blood rockets? That's hardcore, bro. <laughs> no. Oh my god, no. We had like a square of like nine concrete blocks in the backyard, you know. You know, as you do. Yeah. As you do. (laughs) Big enough for like four chairs (laughs) and a quote unquote fire pit. Yeah. (laughs) That we never use because it's (laughs) You you live in Miami. Like, why do you need a fire pit? Just step outside. You're in the fires of hell already. Like, like, actually. But we used to shoot them up there and we used the red so that we could see where it goes. Anyway. So it's Spencer Stutz and he's all like, ooh, okay, right away. This is the only negative outfit check I'm going to do of this episode because they look great. <laughs> okay. JJ's, you know how she's wearing a vest? 
Yeah. It's a fucking like halter top. It's a what now? You know what a halter top is? I'm aware. Yeah. It's the collar around her neck and then it's like the bottom half of her back and the top of her back is open. She could take that off and go clubbing <laughs> in her black vesty halter top. That girl, she, there has to be some sort of gag gift for between her and Penelope where Penelope just buys her the worst sweaters imaginable, but to spite her, JJ wears them. It has to be some sort of like, I bet you you can't, it has to be some sort of like, I bet you'd look good in anything here, wear this ugly sweater I bought you to work, I bet you yeah. can't work it. And then like, she kind of does in a weird, she, awful like, way. It like she sucks. <laughs> Like, I hate it because she's cute. Exactly. Like, I hate it because it works. I'm like, I look at that outfit and I'm like, yeah, I would probably see that at the club. Like, I'm like, just wear a vest. What are you doing wearing this like not vest vest? Like, <sighs> Okay, that's my only bad outfit comment this episode. And I can't even like be too mean about it because it's in like five seconds right at the beginning and she looks cute in it. She just like turned around and I was like, huh? What are you doing? It's like, what are you, uh, what are you wearing? Why are you looking weird right now? Anyway, and um, then like by the she, time you realize it, it's the yeah, next scene and you're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Emily looks really good. This is the beginning of Emily's like trench coat era because it's, it's <laughs> November. It trench coat era? <laughs> yeah. Unironically. <laughs> And don't we all want to have a trench coat era? If I could pull off trench coats the way Emily Prentice pulls off trench coats, I would wear them. Hotch, no. Emily, yes. If the Lord wills it, I will have a trench coat era, actually. Actually. If the Lord Lord wills it, I will do it. (laughs) Once I'm rich living that high life, it is nothing but sexy long peacoats from here on out. (laughs) Okay. The film canister, they're watching it, physics, magic. JJ and Penelope are like, what is this? What is this? And then it shoots off and it hits Emily right on the forehead. Literally just goes (laughs) super loud Foley effect. And Emily's like, what? What was that? And then Reed's like, I'm sorry. It was a rocket. And Emily's like, oh, show me. (laughs) I love that she's just immediately into the shenanigans. She's like, I'm game. (laughs) She like goes over. This is like her third week at this workplace. She's like, oh yeah, fuck it. If we're doing shenanigans, I'll do some shenanigans. I know. Literally, literally. Somebody there's finally one... signed my paperwork. I'm good. Let's go. Yeah. There's one moment that is kind of like Emily being people pleasy for Gideon. But the rest of the time, she's just like, it's shenanigans. It's shenanigans. <laughs> Let's do some shenanigans. Yeah. And Emily's like, show me. And JJ makes like a funny face. And then Reed makes them turn around because it's physics magic. Ooh, uh, and then the rocket flies up. I know. The rocket flies up and it lands at Hotch's feet. And it's like his angry face. And Emily immediately just turns around and walks to her desk. Not a moment. She's like, and I'm out. And she just like leaves. She's like, listen, I'm on thin ice. Okay. <laughs> Especially I'll after the last shenanigans with the other people who are my age in this office. But if somebody years older than us sees us, if our supervisor walks in, I'm out of here. You are all on your own. I am leaving you for dead. You got to figure your own excuse out. I am out of here. Yeah, and it's so funny because last episode was, if that's all, sir. <laughs> and now she's like, oh shit, he's going to find me for the rocket. I didn't even shoot him. Just like, what's the way? <laughs> I love her. Very funny. I love her too. And then JJ tries to exit, but Penelope is in the way. You see her like, Penelope just 
180 turns, starts looking at folders, but JJ like bumps into her and it's like, and like opens a folder, you know, and Hotch puts it down and is like, what did I tell you about in physics, magic, whatever. And Reed is like, sorry. And then he just goes, you're really starting to get some distance on those. And he just like walks away. Also, I made a note. He walks away. And when everyone like comes back to read, AJ Cook turns around and trips and makes a face like, and then it just like cuts to like Emily talking. But I was like, AJ Cook straight up tripped and made a face and they kept it in this show. They are doing her so dirty recently. Remember that thing a few episodes ago where she looked directly at the camera and said a quip and they kept it? Like, yeah, the one where she didn't know her lines. Who on the editing team has like a vendetta against AJ Cook? Who hates her and for why? They are doing AJ Cook dirty. They really are. I don't know who on the editing team hates her, but like. Somebody found out she's married and they were like, God damn it. I'm going to make some bad edits of you as payback. <laughs> you know, that nonsense. Um, okay, so then they're like, oh, Hotch really does have a sense of humor sometime. Sometimes. Um, yeah, and then Emily goes, hey, where's Morgan? And Reed's like, oh, he's home. He's in Chicago visiting his family for his mom's birthday. Oh, we're going to have some timeline stuff to talk about because Bestie. Okay. We cut to Derek at a cemetery looking at a headstone. We don't see the headstone. Someone is taking photos of him. The next wild. scene is wild. You're like, oh, he's being surveilled. The next scene is Derek and his sister Desiree walking out of the corner store. And their oldest oldest sister, Sarah, gave them like a list. And Derek is like, are you sure you don't want to get this? And Desiree's like, you know, if Sarah didn't put it on the list, Sarah doesn't need it. <laughs> I was I, like, That's what he they did a really good job at making these three seem like incredibly believable siblings with yeah. like two seconds of screen time. Yeah. Like they did also, such a good job. Like if Sarah didn't put it on the list, she doesn't need it. Wow. What a sibling move. If I've ever heard one. Yeah. Also finding out Derek is the younger, the youngest sibling, like the baby boy of the family. I was like, of course he is. Yeah. He does have baby boy energy. He does. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then Rodney, who is a gangster, who we learn has had beef with Morgan since they were kids, um, starts kind of trying to flirt with Desiree and is like being all intense and then morgan is like get in the car and just like stands up to him all strong and i really like it because rodney's clearly talking to him like he's a kid who thinks he's like better than he is he keeps calling him mr fbi Mm -hmm. but Derek is just like so confident in himself and in his abilities Mm -hmm. and you can tell that just because he's standing there you know yeah. Like just the way he's like feet planted and he's like, no, you're not getting past me to my sister. Like, you you're know, not he's... gonna fuck with my sister today. I'm going to stand yeah. here until you leave. Yeah, and he's like not starting a fight, but it's very clear that like if he needs to, he will. He would finish fight. one. Yeah. Um, and Derek brings up that he's beat Rodney before without a gun, which Ooh. is important because that's his criminal record. Mm-hmm is when he got into a fight with Rodney and Rodney needed stitches. Um, And then Rodney says, past history, that's a dangerous thing to count on, my friend. And I was like, ooh. Ooh. Ooh, Um, indeed. I know. And then they're like, the camera pans around and you see like, Derek and Desiree are surrounded by Rodney's gang. 
by Rodney's boys. Yeah. Yeah. Rodney's boys. So true. And Rodney walks away and the guys go with him. And then Morgan says, I'm taking you home. There's something I got to do. And you're all like, ooh. So then he goes to the Upward Youth Community Center. Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone's taking pictures of him. Still. Still. Following him around still. We see a man leading a football practice. We know that it's Buford. Uh, and then it cuts to the end and there's two boys coming out. And one of them is like, you did a shove off and that's what messed me up. And the other guy's like, I didn't do that. What are you talking about? Um, football like, you know, football boy yeah. terms that we don't know. Yeah. And Derek steps in and Derek's like, you did do the push off, but that's not what messed you up. And it was like, ooh, you were both like, wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. This was such, I loved this moment. Cause like before, I think like Derek had sort of like mentioned football in passing or like said that like it was something he played, but like, this is like, a really good way of like showing that like he's an expert in this before you even know that he played or that he was like a star collegiate football player. Like this is a really yeah. good low key way of showing expertise in something. And I just really like that this little moment. I think it also in this little tiny clip, like the fact that James knows him introduces him to Damien, you know, and it's like, it's very clear that Derek is comfortable in this place like on this street you know mm -hmm. and like his familiarity with these boys like he's known them if he goes there every year since you know they started going to the community center like it just Shamar Moore just has chemistry with everyone he's comfortable everywhere yeah and I think this episode does uh something a lot of episodes haven't done before which is make it feel real and believable like there's a sense of yeah, this is the place Derek goes every time he comes into town, you know? Yeah. I really I really like the chemistry that they built really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, like, in this series of scenes, like, the graveyard, the sister, this scene, and then when he goes home, like, just a great job of being like, oh, this is Derek's life. And it feels real. Yeah, it feels real. It feels natural. It feel you can feel his history in these places with these people, mm -hmm. right? Um, so then while he's standing there, a car drives by and it's Rodney and Derek like pushes them out of the side and like pulls back his jacket like he needs to grab his gun. And before anything can happen, Buford runs out with a baseball bat and chases them away. And Rodney makes like a gun gesture at him and Buford and Derek make eye contact and then both go their separate ways. Yeah. Um, oh, God, my heart just like screams for Derek. Mm hmm. Like, he wants to protect these kids. But by doing that, he has to go back to that place with Buford. Yeah. And he has never spoken out about his abuse. So he can't just, like, go up to a kid and ask about it, you know? Mm -hmm. But he's trusted enough by these boys that Damien was trying to get James to call Derek. Yeah. You know, and James hadn't because he didn't think he'd be believed. Because how could Derek, the star of the neighborhood, you know believe this about Buford who everyone thinks is like his second dad you know but it must be so hard to be doing you know everything you can you know emotionally mentally for these boys but know that to do that you have to go back to this place where you were hurt and they were hurt you know it's hard and I think these like 
these like short little scenes really do a good job of showing like Derek sort of made he's like it's a little bit like his love for his home is at odds with like his own safety and comfort. And I think these scenes do a really good job. These like short ones where he's at the community center with the boys is like, it's a, it's a very good like depiction of that without it being to like hitch you over the head with the message kind of thing. Yeah. And I think also this whole episode, I mean, it really shows us how much Derek prioritizes other people over himself. You know, because like I said, he keeps going back to that place, you know, like you're right. He he's prioritizing these kids over his own emotional safety, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that going forward when he starts being so awesome and how protective he is as Penelope next season, it's believable because we see it in action in this episode. Yeah. And it feels so real. It also, I think this episode does a great job of setting Derek up as, like, he's, like, the protector. He's, like, he's like, he's like an iron wall of defense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it would have been really easy to sort of, like, twist this into being, like, making him, I don't want to say, like, angrier. But I think it would have been really easy for them to like twist this episode that way. And I like mm-hmm. that like going forward, they just set Derek up as like, he's a protector. That's who he is to his core. Sure, there's like anger and other stuff there. But like at his core, he cares about like caring about you more than he is angry about X, Y, or Z. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think this parallels Hotch a lot in that episode um where Hotch is like some people with bad dads become killers and some Mm -hmm. people with bad dads fight bad people and I think it's and we'll get to this but it's important that Hotch is the one who realizes what's happening and Hotch is the one who is completely sympathetic and 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 in Hotch's episode, we realize why Hotch is so protective in the way that he is. And this is now Derek's like, my trauma didn't make me bitter or angry. It made me care Mm -hmm. even more for other people, you know? Like, you could go through that trauma and turn around and want other people to feel as bad as you do. Or you can go through that trauma and want no one to ever feel the way you did, you know? And I think that's why Hotch and Derek clash a lot but also really really understand each other mm-hmm. yeah um anyway okay. sorry we got off track again no i mean it's all important stuff to say we just like talking about Derek morgan he's just i guess like he's Derek. just my guy he's just my he's guy Derek has a white mom which is very adorable i think that it's like her and her kids yeah and they sing like a very fun birthday song and it's a nice house. It's very homey. There's like a ton of little knickknacks and trophies and gifts and pictures of the kids on the wall. And it's very colorful and it feels very like homey. I like that. And then the mom goes to eat the cake and Derek goes, well, I didn't help with it. So it might be bad. And then Sarah goes, oh, no, no. <laughs> Did you remember the Christmas fiasco of 1994? We still get cards from the fire department. which. <laughs> made me laugh especially because 1994 was 
12 years ago Derek was like <laughs> 17 or 18 yeah but also it's... Derek being 17 or 18 is the absolute prime time to cause absolute mayhem in your parents oh. kitchen but still kind of get away with it he's he's either a senior in high school star quarterback he knows he's got that full ride scholarship he's the big man he's going to college and he's like let me help with the cake yeah. or it's his freshman year of college and he's like mom i'm home i've had one semester at college i can bake this fucking cake yeah. and then starts the kitchen on fire either way comedy gold Derek morgan we never see him cooking and you know why it's the fucking it's that incident that that is it this fiasco of 1994 he has not cooked and the best part the best part is they start ragging on him and he goes mom help me and she goes all right don't be mean to your baby brother and he's like (laughs) and he like swipes his finger on the cake and tries to like put it on sarah's face uh adorable and sarah's like emphasis on baby <laughs> like they have such good family uh, chemistry they are such believable so siblings and this with the exception of some penelope stuff way later on this is really our main like sibling time because we see sean hoshner but he's only in one episode Derek's yeah. siblings come back a few times there's some stuff about his niece later on yeah um but we see them a few times at least sarah I love this. I was like, I love this. yeah, this is your, like, you see him like twice a year. It's mom's birthday, but he's the baby and the baby's back in town. And he's like, I'm not doing anything for this week. Like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I think it's a very underappreciated thing in TV shows when siblings behave and act and look like siblings. I think like it's so hard to like organic it's so hard to like put on paper good sibling dynamics but like mm-hmm. if you have the right actors in a room and you did for this episode that is some sibling banter if I have ever fucking seen it I know I really know it's so good so then unfortunately we cut to Davy and Walter's dead and Waldy is like it's just like the others and Stan's like I'm going to get him this time. I'm going to call the powers that be like, fuck it. Like, let's do it. More like the powers that be a you. Am I right? Ooh, got him. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> LMAO got him. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it's my bad. I apologize. Okay. Here we go. Here's the thing. We cut back to the mom opening the presents. Okay, here. I have a question. I am not, I did not grow up somewhere with remote starters for cars in the winter. That shit is a godsend. Num- great birthday present, especially if you're going to install it for them. Great fucking birthday present. Hey guys, if you want to like get a gift for somebody that they will actually appreciate and use, remote starter in your car. If you live in the North, that shit is a fucking godsend. I, my first thought was like, but then your car is on while you're not in it. Someone could like. But it get keeps the in. car locked. The keys oh. aren't in it. The keys are still inside with you with the remote starter button. The car remains oh. locked. It's just on and like power and like heating itself so that when you get in, you don't freeze your fucking ass off. And also, right. you don't spend 20 fucking minutes with your 
windshield set to defrost so you can fucking go at that motherfucker with an ice pick. You can just, like, walk into your car and have a good time driving wherever you're going. I'm sorry, I'm very passionate about this. I lived in Minnesota for a long time. Remote starter, great fucking birthday gift for somebody who lives in Chicago. Good, Derek, good fucking gift, my guy. Great gift. And then Sarah's like, I want one for Christmas. And he goes, oh, I get you one, except you drive a bucket. (laughs) Um, Which did make me laugh. You know he buys her like a whole new car and stuff. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And then the sisters walk away and the mom's like, they miss you. Your sisters wish you were around. And then he says, you know, the unit I work in is only out of Quantico. And we, this is where we find out that like the father's dead. And then she's like, oh, speaking of fathers, when are you going to give me some grandbabies? (laughs) And he was like, Ah, uh, no, 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 there's a dot knock on the door and he's like, saved by the bell. He's like talking to me and she's like, lots of grandbabies. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, is so cute. Again, I just, I think that this family dynamic is so good. It's so good. Like, it's actually, they did it. They did it. They captured the family dynamic. <laughs> Unfortunately, the knock on the door is Stan. Uh, and he's like, you got a gun on you? And Derek's like, not right now. And Stan's like, good, I'm going to arrest you. And then arrests him. And then it's like, I, Stan, my guy, you're arresting an FBI agent? Hey, Stan. Why don't you read him his fucking rights? Why don't you do this, like, correctly? He doesn't even read him his rights. And then by the time Derek, they're, like, in the interrogation room, and Derek is like, I still don't know what the charges are. And Stan's like, just think really hard. And then that's not an um, answer, Stan. Yeah, and then Walty is like, "You're an FBI agent, so I'm gonna assume you know your rights." And Stan so is all like, "Derek, shit, Walty." Yeah, that's kind of the law. Then Stan keeps calling him Derek, and Derek is like, "It's Agent Morgan." Um, and I just wanted to mention a little thing here. Um, I learned about this actually from an interview with Mr. T. There's a kind of power play that can be conscious or unconscious of black men being called boy. Mm-hmm. Hey, boy, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that really, this scene really reminded me of it where Stan just only Derek, not Morgan even, not Agent Morgan, will only call him Derek, will only refer to him by his like childhood name in a way and i know that's his first name and he but like says it like you'll always be derek to me it's very much like you'll yeah. always be that dumbass kid to me yeah exactly and then derek this is where derek calls him racist and mm-hmm. stands like oh it's got nothing to do with race and it's like uh, this is a white kid he'd be getting a lot more benefit of the doubt here yeah yeah and also i mean like the bau also calls it out as like stan only calls morgan the suspect and they like mm-hmm. they they are very conscious about this fact. And like even when Hotch slips up and calls him a suspect, like Gideon calls him out on it. Like I feel like yeah. this interplay of like the name and the title in a way is very prominent. I think in this episode in in a really interesting way. It is, and it even is later on when JJ is like talking to the police, and the guy turns around and says, "Lady, I'm not going to yeah. tell you anything." Yeah. And I it I, I was like, oh no. I was like, like you're fucking what now? Like we make yeah. fun of um 
whenever we kind of like poke fun at whenever like JJ goes up to somebody is like, I'm SSA Jero. We spoke on the phone. Right. Yeah. But like, she's very distinctly putting her fucking title there. I am supervisory 100%. special agent, Jennifer Jero. That is my yes. title. And like, you can really tell like the vibe of an episode based on how many people call them agent as compared to like lady or Hey, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, I really like that they use mm-hmm. it in a very different way. This episode very much in like a, I, I like the way they use it in this episode, period. Yeah. Good and episode. I feel like it's a good episode. <laughs> and I also think it's really important that they do it for Derek. Yes. Because most of the time, it's pretty much only JJ gets this kind of like, or I guess you get it with Reed, where they call him like kid or, or boy, like, that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and JJ gets it a lot where she's like, it's not Miss Jero, it's Agent Jero. Mm-hmm. But I, I I, mean, obviously I don't like that Derek's being treated like this, but I like that the episode shows it in a way that isn't just like, hey, you look young, or hey, you're a pretty girl. Where like, Derek is a grown man, he's muscular, he fits that powerful masculinity, but he is black. And in this case, a white cop is using his race and their history which whether stan wants to admit it or not is racially charged is class you know charged with classism you know and refuses to call him major morgan Mm -hmm. refuses to acknowledge that he got out he derek has a law degree yeah he graduated with honors with a law degree cum law with a jd he's has a law degree and this guy is like derek you'll always be derek yeah. It doesn't matter that you've gotten a law degree. It doesn't matter that you're in the FBI. None of that matters. Mm-hmm. What matters is that you're Derek. And yeah. I refuse to see past that. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I also think it's something that this cop never mentions Derek's father. Yeah. They were cops at the same time. Do you think that's weird? I think it's really, really weird. It's weird to me that it's never, it's brought up. Hotch mentioned, the mom mentions, I lost your father. Or, yeah, the mom mentions, I lost your father. Derek says to Hotch, my dad was a cop. He was shot right in front of me. That kid I found 15 years ago was the second dead body I've ever seen. The first one that wasn't my father who got, again, shot in front of me trying to stop a robbery. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that it's, it it says a lot that Gordinsky never cut Derek any slack. Yeah. You know? Because his criminal record happened f- between the being 10 and being 15, 10 when his father died, 15 when he saw the Damien or the first dead boy who is a John Doe. So like in the years after his father died, Gordinsky, Stan caught him no slack. There was none of this like your father just died in front of you. Makes sense you're acting out. None of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which tells me that Stan was probably racist to Derek's dad, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And we see this later in the show. There's, like, there's a different way they treat children of law enforcement officers. Yes. Usually they get a lot of slack. Exactly. And in this case, Derek is targeted. I, yeah, it's not great. Okay. Stan's a piece of shit, and I wish he had gotten more yeah. fucking comeuppance here in this ep. Me too. Um, yeah, let's talk about that. For me, the show couches stands to me blatant racism in the fact that like he does genuinely want to find the person who killed these boys. Like 
for stand and they talk about this the kind of like conscious unconscious bias or confirmation bias where stan already thought it was derek he got a profile profile fit derek so it has to be derek but like from stan's perspective derek does perfectly fit the profile yeah right even though like they say like the criminal record was expunged and therefore doesn't exist but that's still that is still previous experience with law enforcement even if it was expunged derek did get those charges he did have to go to a court you know so i get where i do have a sense coming from there um derek fits the profile they also the killings point out sorry they point out a big way that derek doesn't fit the profile is that he's very much the wrong age yeah he's way off yeah and yet stan is just like you know you guys have said age is the hardest to predict who knows I also think that that's a that points to the whole thing of like black boys are seen as older, mm-hmm. much younger. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've there have been stories on the news of boys who were like seven being shot because they thought they were adults, yeah. quote unquote, thought they were adults. You know, so like Derek is like, yeah, he was, or Stan's like, yeah, he was only fifteen, but like, whatever, you know, he could have done it. He could have done this or that. Uh, yeah, I just, I I think the show tries to have it both ways. Where Stan, like, in the end, just was really trying to find the killer. And he really thought it was Derek, so he was going after Derek. While at the same time being like, don't worry, it's not Derek. We are never going to think it's Derek, it's not Derek. Yeah. And I, I don't like that. I think this is a, an egregious case of Criminal Minds choosing the middle road trying to have its cake and eat it too yeah it's 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 okay to criticize bad cops sometimes criminal minds with how much cop money is behind this shit no way are you kidding me (laughs) with how much fucking cop money is behind this nah they're not gonna do that they could at least have framed it as like well this is the one bad cop yeah (laughs) there was nothing uh Although I do feel like it's very clear Stan is in the wrong. Yes. But I feel like he wouldn't even have known he was in the wrong if Derek hadn't escaped, if Derek didn't have Buford like say it in front of him, etc. You know, it was like a very close call for Stan never learning he was wrong. Yeah, you know? if, if he had chosen any other suspect than Derek, he probably would have gotten away with this. Yeah, I mean, actually, way. yes, 100%. If he had picked, who was that other guy? Randy? Rodney. 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 If yes. he had chosen that guy, Buford would have gotten away with it. And Rodney wouldn't yeah. have fucking killed those kids. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's part of it, too, is like, you know, we talked about putting Derek in a suit to make him seem more uh, likable, approachable, whatever. But in the end, yes, yes. Derek is a black man, and that is always going to affect his life. But he's also an FBI agent. He has a law degree. He's fairly wealthy. He's good looking. Yeah. You know? Like, those things, like, Rodney doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. If You're right. If Rodney had been targeted, it would have been like, well, he's already a, what do they say, gangbanger. Yeah. So, like, who's to say these boys didn't just, like, disrupt his business and 
there you go reason motive like you're right you're totally right yeah if this was anybody other than Derek, he would have gotten away with it and so it feels bad that criminal minds doesn't basically say that you know what i mean yeah and i think that does have something like we've been talking about the classism right of like Derek got out and quote unquote made something of himself and i like that Derek has that moment with james where he's like no you know that whole thing of like if you're worth anything later you're worth something now um but he was like no james you're already something like you're already someone but Derek got out he went to college he joined the fbi rodney did not get out he you know mm-hmm. and i and I, this is a little bit of a spoiler but i don't totally remember the episode so you know 50 50 on it being true or not but i'm pretty sure the episode where all of this comes back is because rodney calls Derek. i think rodney does get accused of a crime correct rodney does get yeah. accused of a crime he actually it is in season eight episode 18 restoration right where, where it is a very much a, a comeback episode uh, relating mm-hmm. to this. It's sort of like the other side of the coin of this, basically. Yeah, where we see Rodney's side. Yes, and it is, in that episode, I think it is Rodney who is in unsub because of what happened to him as a child. So, like, it's very much right. the other side of the coin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I will say Criminal Minds comes back to this. And we do get more. Um, but in this episode, not great. Yeah. We come back to it fucking six seasons down the line in season <laughs> eight. Right. <laughs> okay. So Derek is in the room with Stan. Stan refuses to call him Major Morgan. Fucking Baldy keeps putting his hands on Derek. And Derek is like, what is happening? What is going on? Why have you brought me here? And then Baldi is like, you know the law, you want a lawyer? And Derek's like, I want a fucking phone call. I'm going to call the head of my department. And Stan Gate goes, oh, Agent Hotchner, he's already getting a call. And then they proceed to not give him his phone call anyway. Yep. Hey, bestie? Yeah, they were like, you get to name one person. If we're already calling them, you forfeited the call. What is this sort of like fucking... (laughs) here yeah um okay so then hot is on the phone he's like there must have been a mistake and he's like okay well i'm on my way and then he calls an unknown number here's my question for you okay Uh he calls an unknown number and he says i need an emergency recall of agents reed prentice jero and garcia i'll call gideon myself is the implication that spencer Emily, JJ, and Penelope are on a case, just the four of them? Or is this an emergency recall as in, like, call them and tell them to come back to work? I think it's an emergency recall as in call them and tell them to come back to work immediately. And I think he's, like, calling the fucking person who puts in the automated messages that then get sent to their phone to make them buzz on, like, super high alert mode. You know what I mean? interesting because i cannot see there's no way penelope was on a case where was she she was just at home this is like 7 p.m <laughs> she's just enjoying dinner right now and i was like i was like someone said those four gays on a case by themselves god no. like the, four, the chaos quartet like without any adult supervision no 
This is not Emily's responsibility era yet. This is her trend code era, not her responsibility era yet. You cannot trust her. I could somewhat trust JJ, kind of, but not really. Reed and Penelope, no, they are not on a case together. This is just Hotch calling the fucking central line to get them all recalled back to work immediately. God, you know the four of them together, it would be like, Reed's like, I've never done this. And Garcia's like, well, we have to make that happen. And Emily's like, well, I know a guy. And JJ's like, we can't do this. Come on. And Emily's like, oh, come on. It'll be fun. Bats her eyelashes. And JJ's like, fine. But then we're going to bed. And then it's like eight hours later, you know? Yeah, <laughs> That's like it's the eight hours later and they're in a different country. Like, God damn it. Yeah. God damn it. No, they yeah. would absolutely, they could do the hangover, no. but the three dudes from the hangover could <gasps> not do criminal minds. And that's just that. <laughs> that's so sad. Uh, we even get that in a later season. Yeah. Where like Prentice, Jerome, and Garcia show up hungover out of their minds. Yeah. <laughs> to Hodge's race. It's gonna be season like five or six. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking funny. <laughs> it's really good. Okay. Sorry, continue. over out of their goddamn minds. They're like, yeah, we drank a bunch of absinthe last night. And Reed's like, why would you do that? Anyway, okay. That's future. That's for future us to be excited over. Okay. Gideon's on speed dial on Hotch's office phone, by Not the surprised. way. Hotch goes, boop. And then Gideon answers. I was like, oh, so speed dial? Yeah. Um, Gideon answers. And he's like, yeah, Martin got arrested. And then he goes, homicide great and then Derek is like leaning against the two-way mirror being like i can do this all day he's really here like hey hello hello what's up um yeah stan comes in it's been the whole night it's morning now Derek's like i haven't slept at all and stan's like oh i did i got a great night's rest and Derek goes oh so that wasn't your donut eating ass on the other side of the mirror i wrote donut eating ass LMAO, got him. Got his ass. Copsy Donuts. Hey, funny. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Hey, funny. Donuts. It's actually really funny because there are so many scenes of the BAU eating donuts. I know. Moving forward. It did make me laugh where I was like, Derek, calm down. <laughs> we never see Derek eating a donut, though. Interesting. It's because he's a weird health nut, probably. Yeah. That's he why he doesn't like- cook. He, like, fucking... He only eats, like, keto or whatever, so you don't have to actually fucking cook anything. You just mash a bunch of protein together and, like, call it good. Anyway, I'm not going to segue to the, like, HelloFresh ad read that we could do here. But just know that we both thought about it. Time to cook. Yeah, yeah. We're not going (laughs) to do it, though. Thanks to my meal prep kit. Okay. Sorry. Um... We actually don't use any meal prep kit services. We did, but it's cheaper to go to the grocery store. I am poor, so I don't. Yeah, it's expensive. It's anyway, expensive. Derek calls him a donut eating ass. LMAO got him. Baldi brings in a box with it just says Morgan, and Derek is like, Derek goes, <laughs> um, "We came up with that trick, you simple bastard." And I was just, LMAO got him again. Derek <laughs> is really like so grumpy and over it. Derek is like, I have not slept. It is my fucking mom's 
birthday. Yeah. I'm flying out tonight. Like, yeah. <laughs> Stan, what the fuck? Stan? We've been doing this for 15 years, Stan. Stan? I still don't know why you have me here. Um, Stan so haven't read Derek. me my fucking rights. <laughs> Technically, none of this counts because you haven't read me my rights. Um, sorry. <laughs> okay, so then Stan shows pictures of Derek at the graveyard. And Stan's like, whose grave is that? And we learn that it is the boy Derek found when he was 15. And we learn later, but I'll say it here, that Derek says that, like, because he found him and no one ever tried looking for him, that Derek feels a responsibility to remember this kid. Yeah. You know, like, nobody, it seems like nobody missed him, so Derek was going to miss him. And he did a door-to-door collection to buy a funeral plot and a little headstone. Um, And Stan sees this as, like, guilt, but Derek, it's more like respect. Yeah. Derek feels it more as like a responsibility than he does as like a guilt. And he always visits the grave. So then Stan shows Derek pictures of him at the youth center. And apparently he played football with the kids. We didn't see that, but he did. Uh, and then he Derek goes, yeah, I played football with the kids. And Gordinsky says, you did a little more than that. And Derek has like a physical, yeah, like tense at the implication mm-hmm. that he would do what had been done to him, you know? He looked, like, indignant in this moment. Yeah, he, like, that was, like, anger, but, like, anger from a painful place. Yeah. Poor Derek. Oh, And he can't defend himself, because then he would have to talk about say it. he was abused. Yeah. Yeah. And Derek doesn't tell anyone. He tells James, is the first person that he tells. Yeah. He doesn't even tell Hotch. Like, he knows Hotch knows, but neither of them say it, right? So then we find out that he gave Damien a ride home and Derek is like, yeah, his place was all the way to my mom's house. And then Stan just gives Derek pictures of Damien Walter's body. And Derek is like, oh my God, someone killed him. And this is when we find out that Stan thinks Derek killed Damien. The team arrives, all very grumpy looking, very mad at the situation. Forget it. Oh, this is where we find out the bald guy's name is Waldy. Uh, he cu- yeah he calls Derek the suspect Gordinsky is with the suspect um also Derek is the unschmuck of this episode he is kinda. like he is Rodney like kinda is I feel like we know the whole episode that it's not Rodney yeah you know like Derek mm-hmm. keeps saying go talk to him go talk to him but I think we like I think it's pretty clear you know that it's not gonna be Rodney yeah. He's barely in the episode, so. Um, okay. Hotch is like, I want to talk to Derek. I have the number of your superintendent. I don't want to call them and go over your head, but I will. So then Baldi's like, all right, let's, I'll go get Stan. I think this is really interesting because they're like acting mm-hmm. like they're not going to work with the BAU. And then the rest of the time, BAU's just like on the case. Well, they called the BAU, but I think they know that they're not going to be convinced it's Derek because he's on their team. But at the same time, Stan is really confident that he's got the right guy. So he's like, I'll show them the profile they made, show them how it leads to Derek, give them the past, you know, the other two boys, and they'll see. 
they're the profilers, you know? Um, but I guess he didn't expect, and this is it also, he didn't expect how loyal they would be to Derek. Yeah. You know, Hotch says suspect at one point, and I know they're saying they're not calling Derek the suspect, but he, like, is the suspect. They just have to prove he's not actually the, the unsub. Uns- yeah, like, he is a suspect. They have suspects that they clear. They need to clear him as yeah. a suspect, but he is... That, I, I get it. They don't want to start thinking of him as... They don't want to get into the headspace where they're tr- they're like, oh, well, it could be him. It could be him. But I also, think, like... I, mm-hmm. I, I know, and I get that, but I also think that in this case, in this episode, it is more of a title thing than it is a classification thing. You know what I mean? It's more of like, I, I don't see. want to give Derek that title. He is still... Derek Morgan, FBI agent, like Agent Morgan to me. You know what I mean? Like, I think uh, okay, it's, yes. it's less of like a, a, it's less of a classification than it is like a respect title thing. Okay, I get that. I totally get that. The same way with victim. Yeah, exactly. This Derek and Stan are still talking. And Derek is the last person anyone saw with Damien. And then Stan mentions there was another kid four years ago who was a John Doe who was found just after Derek left the city. And Derek is like, look at Rodney Harris. He lives in the fucking city. He lives in the city. Yeah, he has threatened to kill me. He would be somebody who pointed me out. And Derek's like, I don't believe a gangbanger did it. It has to be someone smart, which is rude. Um, Yeah. And then Waldy comes in and says, hey, Hatch is here. And then I wrote... Derek is sad and angry. Yeah. Ugh. Shamar Moore does a really good job of keeping that emotional tension. Like, I feel like we can really see how much this is all hurting Derek. Mm-hmm. But he is still Agent Morgan. And in the end, it is about justice for these kids. Just like it always has been, you know? Yeah, and I think... Um, it's also, I think he's really good at keeping that like emotional through line. Like he doesn't have any Mm -hmm. extreme jumps in emotion or anything like that. You can, you can see every bit of his journey right here. And I think Shamar Moore does a really good job this episode. And to be fair, he does a great job regularly as Derek Morgan. Just this episode. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. He really is like, oh, it's always so believable. You're so right. And I think that Derek has had, I mean, he comes to the city every year, maybe a couple times a year for the birthdays, for holidays. Mm -hmm. So he revisits this pain all the time. So he has like a tight grip on it. And I, and this is a little bit later, but I really understand his panic with Hodge and with Gideon, where he says like, I deserve some privacy. But I don't think it's just privacy. I think he likes that he can leave Chicago and just be a guy without that baggage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, that was p- part of getting out of his neighborhood. wasn't just getting out of poverty, but getting away from the physical place that holds the trauma, you know? Yeah. And, like, the BAU doesn't know he has 
this trauma that he suffered, this abuse. So to him, he's just like a guy. Like when he's with the BAU, he can just be a guy who helps people. Yeah. And as soon as they know, that is changed and gone. So I really understand where he's coming from. I do too. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Makes me sad. And I also like how he frames it as privacy, though. I like that a lot, Mm -hmm. actually. It's like your fucking coworkers, no matter how close you are, aren't fucking entitled to every aspect of your life. Yeah. Even especially, I feel like, especially if you're a profiler, they say a lot. Don't profile me. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. Your your coworkers are not entitled to every aspect of your life or your personality, no matter how much of like a work bestie they are. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, this is like the one thing I don't have to tell you about. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Stan meets Hotch. And Hotch is like, you think he killed this kid? And Derek is like, no, I think he killed three kids over 15 years. And JJ's like, sorry, you think he's a serial killer? And Reed goes, this is ridiculous. And Hotch does not tell them to be quiet. <laughs> you just- Hotch like, does like a internal smirk he just lets his little greek chorus yell what they will and he's like i don't control them sorry my kids are annoying they're gonna continue to be annoying (laughs) the kids have to defend their brother i also think it's it's i think it's cute that in Derek's like biological family he's the baby brother but then at the bau he's like the oldest brother yeah yeah jj and reed are like sorry you think our oldest brother killed someone what are you talking about like impossible he has to take me to soccer practice every saturday he wouldn't have time he wouldn't have time to kill someone <laughs> but then it's hot just like has Derek been charged with anything and stan says he has 72 hours hot goes to talk to him and then stan is like okay they say a lot of things about profiling that have never been talked about in this way before okay but then they continue to talk about profiling in this way for like kind of the rest of the show yeah they suddenly switch it but the ones that i'm talking about so stan thanks gideon for profiling the case he like sent him the file gideon sent back a profile and described Derek. oh and then um stan is like that son of a bitch Derek morgan and gideon just like gives him this very slow like Hmm, blackout. Yeah, it's very much like, mm-hmm. You want to try that again, bud? You want to take that from the yeah. top? <laughs> like That's an bitch, Derek Morgan. And Gideon is like, listen, bud. Like three episodes, I said he was a good guy. Okay. <laughs> so now I'm fucking ride or die. <laughs> like, I'm ride or fucking die for Derek Morgan now. Yeah, exactly. Back the fuck up. And Gideon really is, Gideon is very quiet this episode. Like he's very like, yeah, quiet, not very emotionally involved, but he never for a second doubts Derek. Yeah. He's the one who corrects Hotch. He is forever being like, I get why he wants privacy. Would you want to be like profiled? We all have secrets. Yeah, I He feel says like- that to Hotch, and I was like, what the fuck is Hotch's secret that he's going to get a divorce? Like, okay. Hotch's secret is that he's really a terrible husband. <laughs> I feel like in a way... We only sort of talk about... We talked about this way back at, I think, the beginning of the show. Um, We talked about how, like, Hodge and Gideon are, like, two very different characters who, like, 
you know, they've taken on these leadership roles within the BAU. Hotch is sort of like, they, they represent this like solid foundation, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I think there was a line in the behind the scenes things that we were watching is like, if the, Hotch. Hotch is like the tree, if that tree is shaking, then like shit's going wrong. And everybody mm-hmm. knows it. And I think this episode, Hotch is really shaken. And I think Gideon, I think Gideon represents that solid foundation. I think in a way, like, Hodge sort of represents that, like, snap decision to be like, hey, what the fuck? Whereas Gideon is much more, like, he's much more internalized the issue. Whereas Hodge is very much more external this episode, Gideon, I feel like, is really, like, internalized it and is like, it's not Derek Morgan because I know Derek Morgan. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think this is another peek at Hotch's anger. Yeah. Um, but I also think it shows how much he cares about his team. Mm-hmm. Like in the same way when L got arrested in Mexico, Hotch was there. Hotch went, here's why it's not her. Let's go. And he wanted to do the same thing here. But it ended up being much more complicated than or much more political, you know, than he expected or like maybe he expected to show up have Derek be like here's why it couldn't have been me here's my whole childhood story and when Derek didn't do that Hotch went well fuck then what do we have you know whereas Gideon was much more like I know it's not Derek and we're gonna find out it's not Derek Mm -hmm. so let's just do what we have to do to find that out you know yeah but yeah definitely two sides of like the protective father coin yeah so then we come back. Reed says the profile's just a guide. And then Emily, here, this is what I had a problem with. Emily says it's more useful in the elimination of suspects, not the inclusion. I don't think that's true. Because how many times have they described the profile and gone, oh, so it's this guy? Like the first episode was like, yeah, they drive a fucking Jeep Cherokee. Yeah. Like, Okay, sure, that excludes everyone who doesn't drive a Jeep Cherokee, but you also found the guy by the fact that he drives a Jeep Cherokee. Like, <laughs> it's, it's I don't weird. Know, just Emily said that, and I was like, huh? huh? Isn't that the whole point of a profile? It's like who it's going to be? Yeah, it felt very much like they were just trying to, like, like the younger people, Emily, JJ, and Reed, were very much just like, it can't be Derek. Here's why. But they had kind of like only surface level excuses. And it isn't until, yeah, and it isn't until they dig deeper into his life that they kind of really understand. Like JJ realizing she barely knows anything about Derek. Emily's brand new to the team working off a vibe. (laughs) Emily's working purely off of a vibe check and she is still the biggest bro this whole episode. I think we should all aspire to be more like Emily. If the vibe's Emily good, was like, be a listen. <laughs> yeah. Emily is fully doing the lesbian, like, listen, we are the two minorities on the team. Okay. <laughs> that's my that's my bro. That's my bro right now. And here. then and like, but Reed doesn't know that Derek has mentioned him to his family at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and like it's just interesting that they're so close. And already they've been through a lot, but they still know so little about him. And I think and Derek wants it that way. Yeah. That's Derek's, like, whole thing, you know? Okay. And then they're, like... 
you can't just rely on the profile. And Stan's like, I am not just relying on the profile. And then it cuts to Hotch going in. And Derek is like, Hotch, yeah, I drove the kid home. I was the last person to see him, but I didn't do it. Cut back to Stan. Here, okay, we need to talk about the timeline. You're going to go on a little bit of a timeline rant here. I am. Okay. And here's here's why. Okay. The first boy was found 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. When Derek was 15. Okay. By that math, how old is Derek now? 30. Thank you. I can do math! They show his birthday on the screen. You know how old his birthday makes him? Like 34 or something like that. I bet. Yep, 33. Wow, I was close. Hell yeah, dude. So they literally, in. I mean, okay, here's the thing. Hotch's age, his birth year, I'll give him a pass. I mean, I don't like to, but I'll give him a pass. It was over a very long period of time. This is the same goddamn episode. Yeah, you really can't fuck it up in that same episode. You know what I mean? They, Yeah, and so in my timeline, it, according to the show, Derek was 10 when his father died. But according to his birthday, mm-hmm. he was 13. Which me and the show says he was 15 when he found the boy. But according to the show, his birthday, he'd be 18. So they just like fucked up their own math there when they showed us the year of his birth. Yeah, they really did not try, huh? No. And I feel like part of it was they didn't want to make him too young. Yeah. But they... I don't even understand it because... The first, so the first body was found 15 years ago. A black kid between the ages of 12 and 13 was strangled, found in the parking lot. No one ever reported him missing. He was never found. Or the killer was never found. And then four years ago, another body showed up. So it doesn't make any sense to me why they decided there would be an 11-year gap. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. Like, why have an 11-year gap and then four years? If Derek is going home every year for his mom's birthday, why those years? And that was something to me that should have been brought up. Yeah. Like if, like, he found the first body when he was 15. So let's say he killed the first kid when he was 15. Why were there not more killings while he was still in Chicago? Yeah, they really didn't, like, give a shit, huh? No, and then four years ago, he was already in the BAU. And he would have been visiting his mom every year for her birthday it just was a weird timeline like they could have instead of saying 15 years ago like they could have made it 12 years ago you know or 17 years ago like yeah she's like you why? know that was just why yeah it was six feels so arbitrary and then just to like get his age wrong like how did your what? script supervisor or whoever you have fucking writer's room assistant whoever you have like not point that out I can see them getting the year wrong on a, like, screen that shows for, like, half a second. I can, like, I can excuse that because those are made by two very different teams. But I also don't like excusing it in this case because they did very clearly state his age in this episode. So, whatever. It's just, like, how did your script supervisor not be like, hey, that's wrong, actually. Do that math again. Or, Like, like, what? 
did nobody like how did they get that birth date to put on the screen like if they looked got it from the script they would have known he was 30 and it's off like three years it's not even like one year like it's three years difference so you can't blame shooting schedule the the thing is you know what i bet they were going off of when they did the fucking effects for that screen I bet when they were, I bet they had handed it off to some fucking visual, like, coordinator, visual supervisor or whatever. And they were just like, yeah, he's about 30 years old. And I think that person was like, all right, three years off. That's fine. You know what I mean? Because absolutely that is not handled by, like, the main editor. That's handled by somebody who exclusively does the visuals on those fucking computer screens. And God bless their souls for that. But, like. I bet you their I bet you their direction for that was like, yeah, Derek's like about thirty years old, and nobody bothered to give them the exact year. I that's one hundred percent what it is. They were like in the mm. middle of production of this episode, and somebody fucking went into the team Slack channel and was like, "Hey, uh, how old is Derek? Like, thirty eh, ish." Yeah, yeah, the team Slack channel in two thousand and six. In two thousand and six. Anyway, <laughs> yes, those are the two suspects. Oh, Emily's outfit check for this episode. Hot and gay. Yeah. Dark, the dark blue button down. She's got the thick belt with the offset belt buckle. Also, her suit is very 70s. And I love that. It's very like a look that I know I 100% could not pull off. But Emily kind of working it. Emily works it. She looks very good, Simpson. Uh, JJ also looks very good. She's, just, she's in like a tight red shirt. Also, she has her bangs pinned back out of her face. I like it. Okay. <laughs> We are exiting our JJ Bing era, thank God. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, and JJ says, like, no one was looking for these kids. Like, that's two kids who died. No one went looking for them. Um, and Stan's like, nope. And he says he went to the seminar. So we get the profile. Gideon says there are three million people in Chicago. They're looking for a black male between the ages of 25 and 35 with knowledge of the area. He's going to appear non-threatening to children. He probably has a criminal record. Because the first boy was placed on a mattress, it indicates that the killer was consumed with guilt, especially with the first victim. And that first victim is still important, so he's still going to visit the victim. Like Derek visits the graveyard every time he comes home. And Gideon's like, there needs to be more than that. And Stan is like, Derek calls the headquarters all the time to ask about the case. Not Stan, because Stan would fucking tell him. Stan's also a racist shithead, but... Yeah, but Derek calls the headquarters. And then Stan says, Derek found the first body, and the second body was just after he left Chicago. So then Hotch and Derek are talking. and Derek says he was 15, he was playing football with his friends. The football went into the lot, he ran in to get it. Found the body of the first John Doe. It was the second person um, he's seen dead after his father who was shot in front of him. And we do get a flashback of that at some point. Yeah, we do. Um, Yeah. No one ever reported the kid missing. Derek felt responsible for him. Went door to door to get the collection to bury and to give the headstone. The headstone is blank except for the date. um, December 13th, 1991. And he left space for the name in case the boy's name were found. And he says, like, he feels, he feels like the kid deserves someone to look in on him, which is very noble of him. Yeah, I really like this. 
especially the mm-hmm. detail where he left room for his name. That's like a heart-wrenching little Derek Morgan detail. I know, and I wrote down what they end up putting on it. Yeah. One thing I will say, though, they never... What happened to the second kid? Did he also get buried? Where is he? They never talk about it. I assume he was claimed, you know? Well, no, he was also a John Doe. Oh, true. Maybe they just buried him next to the other one, then. I don't know. Yeah, because remember, they're, they're John Doe's because they go to... You know, they're in the youth center... Buford becomes their second parent because um, they don't have anyone looking out for them. Yeah. Okay. Hotch is like, Stan thinks you visit because of the guilty conscience. He's very confident that it's you. And Derek is like, Stan has been after me for fucking ever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then they talk about the new body, Damien Walters. And Derek was the last person to see him. In Damien Walters' pocket was... Derek's FBI business card with his cell phone number on the back. And Stan says every time Derek is in town, he goes and he hangs out with those kids. And they like it's circumstantial, but so are fingerprints. Derek found the body in 1991. And Stan says, you've mentioned that if the body's hard to find, the person finding it is a suspect. Reed brings up the age. And Derek says, age is hardest to predict. It should be used to rule anyone out. Reed is like, okay, well, you said he needed previous law enforcement like experience and Stan says he had a criminal record also no one mentions that like his dad was a cop his whole childhood yeah so it's sort of like yeah no shit he has law enforcement experience come on bestie I like just made that connection I was like we didn't need to bring up the criminal record like we didn't need to but you know Stan and Waldy would oh yeah I mean I would but like no one is like or it could be his cop dad like yeah (laughs) I don't know so then Oh, this is like a funny little moment. Gideon is talking to J.J. Reed and Emily and is like, we've got a desperate detective. He's got three dead boys with no evidence. And so he just applied to the, applied the profile to somebody he already suspects. And Reed says, yeah, he's applying facts to theories instead of. He's applying oh, he's theories, to, theories facts to facts instead of, the instead of facts around. to theories. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Uh, and they're like, so we just need to find the real suspect. And Emily's like, oh, you think someone set him up? And Gideon's like, yeah, maybe. Prentice and Reed go talk to Derek's family. <laughs> and Waldy comes over and is like, oh, I'll take ya. And Emily's like, oh, no, thank you. And then Gideon goes, no, go ahead and take him. And this is the moment where she looks at him and goes, right, I will take him with us. And it was like a moment where you know she would be like, Gideon, what the fuck? If Waldy wasn't sitting right there. And then she turns around and goes, okie doke, lead the way. And then she, like, makes a face, like, what the fuck, I just said, okey-doke. Okey-doke. I know you're okey-doke. in Chicago, Emily, but damn, bitch. No need to go full Midwestern. Oop, let me just loop right past you there. Like, come on. Okey-doke. Okey-doke. Jesus. Also, no mention of the fact that Emily supposedly spent, like, 10 years working in the St. Louis, Chicago area. Not a mention. Also... St. Louis and Chicago are very far apart. That's what she says. Oh, yeah, I was in the Midwest, you know, St. Louis, Chicago. That's what she says her first episode. St. Louis makes sense because then it's like St. Louis, Kansas City, sort of like that area. That's like a three hour ish radius to cover. But St. Louis to Chicago, that's fucking 12 hours or more of driving. Like. Wow, interesting. Sorry, continue. Lying through her teeth. (laughs) Okay, so then Gideon is like, hey, we hate it, but we do have to consider Morgan a victim. We need to recognize that he is 
being set up that something has happened. And then Gideon hands over Derek's record and it says resisting arrest, aggravated battery and vandalism. And they're like, yeah, but look, it's like a youth record. It's a juvenile record. And Hotch is like, he said he told me everything that was relevant. And Gideon's like, well, he may not consider this relevant. And Hotch says, since when is the criminal history of a suspect not relevant? And Gideon's like, you called him a suspect. And Hotch just like walks away. Yeah, I feel like Hotch and Gideon is sort of like the head and the heart of this episode is very sort of like obvious, but also like, damn, Hotch, not even going to say sorry to your boy Gideon? I know, Hotch just goes to him. Damn. I feel, and this is not excusing Hotch, but I feel like Hotch is hurt. Yeah. That Derek won't just tell him. What? Hotch is like, Hotch is like, fucking tell me what's going on so I can clear your name. And Derek is like, I don't want you to know this about me. Yeah. Sorry. Like, we're not friends. We work together. Yeah. It's just so, I feel like since Hotch shares most of his deep, dark history with the team, he has the expectation that the team will do the same for him. However, his sort of like deal is it's like, obviously he has like, I don't want to say like healed more, but he has sort of like put his childhood to bed. You know what I mean? And like, he doesn't have to deal with it right now in the same way that Derek is having to deal with his past and his childhood. So like it, to me, I don't, it makes sense to me that Hotch is the one who's like, we don't keep secrets from each other. And everybody else is like, um, what? <laughs> Since when, my guy? Since when? Like, it ma- it makes sense to me that, like, Hotch is sort of the one just, like, charging blindly forward and not checking that yeah. anybody's following him in this episode. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think you're right about the whole thing with the distance. Like, one, Hotch is 10 years older than Derek is. Two, his abuse came from his father, who is dead. Yes, he buried his monster. Yeah, it's done. His mother, I'm assuming, is also dead. He doesn't have to visit his childhood home, his childhood area. Whereas Derek, even though the abuse is done, he knows that he is going to have to see the man every time he goes home. Mm-hmm. He knows that the man is probably still doing this to other boys. Like, it's it's still ongoing, you know? And so when Hotch is like, it happened when you were a kid, why didn't you tell me about it? Derek is like, nah, dude, I saw the man yesterday. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's kind of, I think you're right, that that's the difference between them. Um. So Hotch is, like, annoyed that Derek didn't talk to him and leaves. And then Gideon tells JJ to have Garcia look into Derek's life. So Hotch goes to Derek and Derek is like, Oh, I forgot to tell you, look at Rodney Harris. He like and wrote his like, name down on like a piece of paper and tries to like hand it to Hotch, which I think is yeah. just like a cute little thing. <laughs> He's like, I wrote it down for you. Uh, and then Hotch is like, you have a criminal record. And Derek's like, what are you talking about? And Hotch hands the papers over and Derek says, this was expunged. My record is clean. Like, I do not have a criminal record. I almost did. It is clean. And Hotch is like, you lied 
about telling me everything. And Derek's like, it doesn't, this doesn't mean anything. I was with some guys. We got into a fight with Rodney. He got a couple stitches. They made it aggravated. And I think what's important is that that fight doesn't have anything to do with this crime. Not, I mean, it does because Buford spoke for him on his behalf. But like the fight with Rodney that got him this aggravated assault charge only shows that Stan always had it, had it out for Derek. It doesn't say anything about like the trauma Derek had. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just something, right? His dad died, so he was acting out, falling yeah. into the wrong crowd. Yeah. I but, like, also... that's the thing. Like, the fact that it became, like, I mean, uh, some boys got into some fights with some other boys, and all of a sudden, Derek is being charged with aggravated battery. Yeah. Like, I think it also boys. goes to show the lengths that Stan has gone against him. Because. He had Derek's criminal record right there, ready to show everybody, even though it is expunged. He would have had to get yeah. an order from a judge to, like, dredge that up again and unseal that file. You know what I mean? And he was the one who arrested Derek. Yeah. It's just so, like, where did this record come from? Why did you have this so quickly? Mm-hmm. If Derek just became a suspect because another boy was, like, just murdered. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just... The it vibes the here fixation. are awful. The vibes are atrocious. Yeah. Like Stan charged Derek with that, with those charges. Mm-hmm. And then when Derek got it expunged, kept a copy of the records or went and fished them out later. And Derek is like, this is sealed. It does not count. It is expunged. My record is clean. And, like, and the story of those charges, I mean, when you say the charges, right? Aggravated battery, resisting arrest, vandalism. It sounds terrible. And Derek is like, yeah, I was a teenager. I got in some fist fights. I got in a fist fight with some other teenagers. One of them ended up with stitches. That was it. Yeah. You know? You're like. like vandalism. No- Ooh, whoa. Very scary. Ooh. You got yeah, me there. Like. like- <laughs> It's like the words of it sound really bad, which is probably why Stan is using them. Because, again, aggravated battery, resisting arrest, vandalism sounds really bad. Until you find out some teenagers had a, gotten a fist fight. And one of them know? needed stitches. That's the only reason. Like, Yeah. Yeah. And then Hotch says, oh, so you think Rodney's targeting you because you beat him up? And Derek's like, no, but I think he's worth talking to. And then Hotch just called him a victim and says, like, we need to figure out the victimology. And Derek is like, whoa, victimology? Are you profiling me? And Derek's like, you're in trouble. Or Hotch is like, Derek, you're in trouble. Like, this is really bad. And Derek goes, if you want to profile the victims, profile the children. Not me. I don't need the people I work with knowing my entire world. And I'm not the victim. The fucking dead children of the victims. You know? Yeah. That's what Derek says. And I understand I that. But I also I also understand like somebody's obviously targeting Derek to try and set him up for these murders. So like all of them, all four of them are victims in yeah. a way. Yeah, I mean so Derek I, I is the victim of 
I understand their logic, but I also think that like skewing the victimology, like from from Derek's side, right? Like this this type of victim has like a narrow sort of like perpetrator to it. If you added Derek into that class, Derek is the outlier. Derek is the 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 odd man out there. So like I can see why he thinks that would complicate matters, and he's correct. But I, I see both sides of this. I think something else that I just thought of that I think really informs Derek's point of view is aside from Stan, there's really not that much connecting Derek to these boys. There's nothing. Two of them are John Doe's and the last one, Derek gave him a ride home. Other than that, like we find out that it was Buford. Yeah. Right. And that's the connection. All these boys were abused by Buford but before we know anything about him the only connection between Derek and these kids is Stan saying it has to be Derek because Derek found the first one and then he's been around and I think that that's why Derek is like I'm not a victim don't include me in this because like I'm not I'm not actually involved with these kids in any way yeah find the person who killed the you know and we found out later that Honestly, Derek kind of is a victim in the whole situation. But at this point, we don't know his connection yet. And also, all the evidence Stan has against Derek is very circumstantial. Mm-hmm. The only thing that only even vaguely shows guilt and only when you look at it from one direction is him visiting the grave of the the boy who he helped put to rest also in a graveyard, which I assumed when I saw him at that grave, I assumed I wasn't like looking at the screen at the time. I was just sort of like watching it on my laptop Mm -hmm. from the kitchen. I was like, it was a little blurry. I assumed he was at his dad's grave. I was like, okay. They don't show, they don't show the grave until Derek tells the story of how he bought the headstone. Yeah. So I just assumed he was at his dad's grave. And so like, you don't even know who he's visiting. So it would make sense to me if Derek is already at that cemetery to visit his dad. He also takes a stop at the boy who he helped bury. Like that, all of Sans evidence is extremely circumstantial. That shit wouldn't hold up in court worth a shit. Yeah. Also, like, it's actually very nice and very sweet of Derek to visit that kid's grave. Yeah. Like, that's, very nice of him to do that. It doesn't have to be a creepy thing, whatever. Yeah, it's not. Um, Yeah, it's not a creepy thing at all. Okay, so Reed and Morgan are at Derek's house, and it's very fun. Desiree gives Reed a piece of cake while he's looking through a box marked Derek's stuff. Um, I love that Reed is just eating cake right now during this whole conversation. Like Desiree's like, Here, here's a piece of cake, and Reed's like, okay, and just starts eating it, like eats what he's handed. Like, yeah. It's very um, and then Sarah's like, did they tell you Stan's been harassing Derek since he was a kid? And Waldy like rolls his eyes. And Sarah's like, why are you even here right now? And Waldy's like, they asked me. And Reed goes, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so then Prentice like mentions, we think he might have been set up. And they mentioned, the sisters mentioned that he's law enforcement. And Reed goes, actually, law enforcement is just as likely, if not more likely, to commit a crime. Blah, blah, blah. And then Prentice is like, 
we're not saying we think it's Derek. And Reed's like, oh, no, I'm just talking. Sorry. I'm just like, talking to talk fully. So Usually I, Derek's yeah. the one who stops me from doing this. So my impulse control is gone. My and boyfriend left her- for the weekend and I cut the sleeves off of 90% of my shirts because he's like right. 100% of my impulse control. Like that's straight up this circumstance right now. It makes me laugh. Yeah. He's just like talking. And then Sarah's like, are you Agent Reed? And he's like, yeah. And Desiree's like, Derek talks about you. And Reed just gets this big smile and goes, he does? <laughs> just like adorable. Um, And then Petrus is like, anyway, we think someone might be setting Derek up? And the mom's like, well, he always goes to the youth center. And Prentice is like, oh, is there some significance to him going to the youth center? And then Sarah gets really, like, defensive. Like, oh, is there something in it for him? Like, he likes the kids. And I think, one, I totally get where she's coming from. Yeah. Here's more white cops asking questions about Derek, right? And they just watched him get arrested, etc. And Prent, but, but Emily has a really good, like, hey, hey, we're his friends. We're here to help him. I promise. We are not trying to denigrate him. We are not trying to smear his name. We are here to help him. and But to do that, we have to know about him. So does this place have any significance? I think Emily does like, a really good job of disarming this situation. She really does. She's Emily told, I feel like Emily's in that place where she's like, hey, I get it. I get it. I caught the vibe in the police station. Yeah. Derek and I are quickly becoming best bros. <laughs> I've only known Derek for a month, but we're best friends. So, (laughs) but if Derek gets arrested, I will kill everyone in this room. And then myself, myself. yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then the mom says the youth center saved Derek's life. And then it cuts like Derek in the interrogation room, being all moody. And then it goes through the mirror to Hotch and Gideon, and Hotch is like, "He isn't telling us all of his secret." And Gideon's like, (laughs) "Gabra, who tells all of their secrets?" Yeah. Do you would you want us to? learn all of your secrets and Hotch makes a face like no <laughs> yeah I guess not okay Garcia and JJ are looking through Derek's file and Garcia's all like this feels wrong and JJ's like it's okay like it's to help him so then we find out his birthday June 6 1973 there you go for y'all astrology bitches <laughs> um he graduated cum laude from Northwestern Law with his JD. He's got a fucking law degree, which is wild. That's my favorite um, Derek Morgan fact, actually, is that yeah. he technically has a law degree, just like Hotch. <laughs> also, can we talk about how he got a full-ride athletic scholarship to be a quarterback, and he went, I'm going to take that scholarship, and I'm going to get a law degree with Yeah. It. I think that says like a he, lot about how dedicated he has always been to like getting out. I yeah, think we see it like he didn't get James a bogus. Later. Yeah, yeah, like he didn't get some bogus degree because he was planning on being a football star. He went, you know what? Football isn't forever. Backup plan. Football was how. Yeah, football was how I got out. But I think he's always wanted to help people. Yeah, you know. So like the fact that he went, he got out of his neighborhood through a football scholarship. And then used that opportunity to get a degree that would lead to him helping people. Like he he used, I mean, he is very much like JJ in that respect, where both of them needed a full ride athletic scholarship mm-hmm. to get out of their like hometown. 
and then used the scholarship to pursue things they were interested in. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, he was the star football player, uh, but then he injured his knee after two years in college. Mm-hmm. So that's why he stopped playing football. Um, oh, and then Garcia is like, oh, he was in the Chicago Register. He was in the newspaper because he found the body of a child in a vacant lot. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's that Corona Minds tonal shift. <laughs> She's so good at like making these little segments with Garcia interesting. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? It's always the highlight of the episode. <laughs> exactly. And I think it says a yeah. lot that Kirsten is like, that good and making such a small amount of time so good and so worth it you know what i mean yeah for sure uh oh and garcia's sad that derek like never told her about having found the kid i think this is also like they don't really show it in this episode but after this we get a little bit of a change in derek and garcia's relationship where like it does start getting deeper because by season three they are like in it they are besties yeah besties besties you know but so far we've only seen them really like fake flirting and like this and that i think this probably is where their relationships are getting a little uh more authentic okay yeah so we find out that um from derek's family that his dad was killed in front of him he was a police officer trying to stop the robbery uh, he was 10. And then a year later, he started hanging out with older kids who would pay him to run errands, not drugs. Um, but they were gangbangers. And then one night, Rodney attacked him. They had a huge fight. Rodney's head got split open. And that's when Stan started focusing on him. Yeah. Um, oh, so he was 11 when he got this criminal record. Mm-hmm. And then it was four years later when he was 15 playing football that he found the body so stan had it out for him four years before he even found that body yeah yeah so then carl buford who runs the youth center took Derek under his wing at like 11 which makes sense because he played football in high school um and then the mother says buford was like a surrogate father to him taught him football and that's how he went on to get his scholarship and his degree. And Prentice is like, okay, I'm going to take Waldy to the youth center and Reed stays with the family. Prentice is like, Reed, why don't you stay here and keep talking to them and going through this stuff? And Reed's like, okay. <laughs> it was very much like, stay here and talk to your boyfriend's family. This is your only chance. It was also very much like, stay here so that you can head back to the station early and talk with everybody else is sort of like how I read it. Like, stay here, catch an Uber back to everybody else. Catch an Uber. You know what I mean. No, I know what you mean. I didn't pick up on that at all, but that's a good call. Stay here. I'll take this dude. Oh, also to talk to him with, talk to them without Waldy there. Yes, also that, I think. To get them to, like, loosen up even more. Okay. So JJ is like, look up Morgan's criminal history. And Garcia is like, he's not going to have any. Oh, he does. It's sealed. <laughs> she though. has so many fun, like, oh, he was in the Chicago Register because he found a dead child. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't have a criminal. Oh, he does have a criminal history. <laughs> it's like literally like, oh, shit. Um, it's a juvenile criminal record. It was expunged and sealed after Buford wrote a letter. And it says, like, he was the finest young man I've ever known. I'd stake my reputation on this. And 
JJ's like, do we have a name for that guy who wrote the letter? And while she's waiting, Carl Buford and Damien Rogers' mom come into the station and JJ like hears them being like, I'm Carl Buford, blah, blah, blah. And then Garcia's like, Buford. And she's like, did you say Buford? And then JJ's like, whoa. And like Zubin's on her face being like, wow, weird, he's here right now. Yeah. <laughs> whoa. whoa <laughs> yeah. Wild how that works. Whoa. Yeah. So then Derek and Gideon are talking. And Derek is like, Gideon, you got to get me out of here. And then Gideon tells Derek all about the profile. And he, Gideon's like, that's my bad, honestly. <laughs> I like that Gideon's like, you know what? That one's on me. I'll take that one. That one's on me. <laughs> that one's on me. <laughs> I'll take the L. That one was on me. That was definitely my fault. Sorry. Like, Yeah. And then he's like, Stan was definitely looking for it to be Derek because of a preconception of guilt. And then I think this is, I think that Hotch let Derek out later on because of this conversation where Gideon says, if we force Stan to let you go, it's going to look bad. It's going to look like we're trying to cover something up. And then later, like Hotch is like, oops, I left the door open. Oops, I gave him the key. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think, I mean, I just like think it is also he gets out of there so fast. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, I watched that scene like three times being like, do we see Derek? Because Hotch like walks out, blah, blah, blah. Stan goes in. Stan's like, did you let him go? I mean, less than 30 seconds. Yeah, literally Hotch walks out and then like Dennison goes, or Waldy goes back and he's like, hey, what the fuck? Like That's why I think that Hotch had to have let him out, given him the time to escape. And then walked out. And then walked out. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Derek is talking to Gideon and Gideon's like, we can't let you out. It's going to look like we're covering something up. Um, Because also after this, they go right to the youth center. They just somehow know to go to the youth center. So I think Derek and Hodge talked earlier. Um, Anyway, Derek is super insulted that Gideon won't let him out. And Gideon's like, if you're hiding something, you need to trust us. And Derek's like, I just want a little privacy. We already practically live together. I deserve yeah. to have a piece of my life that y'all don't fucking know about. And I love that, actually. And I love that for him. He's right. And he's right. Uh, he's right. Um, they're your coworkers at the end of the day. Um, and then Gideon's like, cool. That just means we got to find the real killer. Yeah. So Jade, Hotch, and Gideon go over to JJ. And JJ's like, hey... The reason nothing got picked up in the FBI background check was because the file was expunged and sealed. So, like, it doesn't exist. That's why he didn't get it didn't get caught. Like, it doesn't count. Um, and then she's like, yeah, it was based on this recommendation by Carl Buford. And Hodge is like, oh, we got to go talk to him. And JJ's like, oh, that'll be easy. And it's like, that's him over there. And then, Bu- like, Hodge and Gideon both turn and look at Buford. And then Buford, like... Death stares at them yeah. from across the police station. He is like, mm, these are the men that are going to catch me. <laughs> yeah. No, I really like that Buford is so suspicious in the station here. Immediately. Immediately. Like, we hear only... And I like it, too, because, like, we meet him bringing in Damien Walter's mother. We see him chasing away Rodney at the beginning, even if he gives Derek a weird look. We see him, like being friendly with Stan, but then when Hotch and Gideon look at him, it is like anger and suspicion. Yeah. 
And you're just like, actually, who is this guy? <laughs> so then Prentice and Waldy are at the youth center. And they go into Buford's office. I said, Emily looks so good. She's got like her 60s vibe with her suit. She looks perfect. Okay. The office is full of trophies and awards. Mm-hmm. And she says, like, he's won every award but the Nobel Prize. Which is kind of a funny Nobel. little, like... Yeah, I know. I love her little it's lines. Funny. They're cute. Yeah. And then James comes out from the other side of the sports equipment cage and is like, hey, oh, you're FBI. Do you know Derek? I've been trying to call him. And Prentice is like, is there something I can do to help? And James is like, yeah. Someone killed Damien. And Derek said I could always call him if something happened. And Prentice is like, let me write down your name. I'll tell Derek. And we find out that James basically lives at the youth center. He's like, you can find me here always. And Prentice is like, always? Yeah, she like, I feel like Prentice sort of like picks up on something here. Yeah, I think like little by little, everyone on the team is putting the pieces together. Yeah. Like, one by one, everyone is kind of like, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> so then Buford is talking to Hotch and Gideon, and Buford is like, yeah, I'm so surprised it turned out to be him, because, like, he was such a fine boy. I feel bad about recommending his record to be expunged if I'd known he was going to become a, a serial killer. And he's like, stances is all kind of evidence. And then Buford says, it's still hard for me to believe Derek had a way of charming people into looking past his deficiencies. And JJ like bristles and goes, his deficiencies? And Buford's like, yeah, you know how he kills children. You know, <laughs> you know the murders that he does? Those murders you know that the he murders definitely that does? He did? Those are his you know the deficiencies. I, yeah, I was with JJ. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I feel ugh. like this is such a... It's so weird. It definitely was like Buford. When he says Derek had a way of charming people into looking past his deficiencies, that's Buford trying to charm them. And once again, he underestimates their loyalty to Derek. Yeah, I think he sort of like realizes like, oh, fuck. Like, I have a little. Yeah. Like, like I may have maybe underestimated how much these people like like Derek basically yeah and also you know here we go where Hotch asks when was the last time you talked to Derek and Buford says years and then Hotch like has like a look on his face um and I also think that like that's telling though that like Buford hasn't talked to Derek in years he doesn't know Derek Morgan anymore yeah he still thinks of him as that kid who's too afraid to talk you know yeah and even though Derek hasn't you know told the team anything the team still like knows him um and I think that Buford really underestimates how much the team cares about him um so then Gideon talks to Stan about Buford and Buford and Stan is like yeah he's helped a ton of kids like we've been close since my B-Cup days he put a bunch of kids on the straight and narrow. And like, of course he's kept up with the investigation. And that's when Stan realizes that like Gideon is hinting that it could be Buford. Mm-hmm. I also really like that as soon as they see, as soon as like everyone on the team learns one thing about Carl Buford, they're like, hmm, 
bad vibes, bruh. I also, though, like it as, like, they're sort of, I think, in this, they're, they're, like, pointing out the fact that, like, hey, it doesn't have to be Derek. There's other people who fit this profile. I think even yeah. if you're not reading it as, like, Buford giving off the worst vibes imaginable to everybody, which I think he is, I think this also very much is them being like, huh, wild how when you try and ascertain facts about somebody, it, like, fits your little weird theory. Wild how that works, huh? Mm. Weird. Wild how you can just, like, apply profiles to people, huh? That's so weird. Like That's so weird. How old is he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then, Hotch... Hotch also, like, as soon as Hotch hears years, Hotch knows. Like, he knows. Yeah. Um. And so he walks into the interrogation room and just says, Carl Buford. Derek, ugh. Hotch says Carl Buford, and Derek immediately tenses, leans back in his seat, like... His body language am- changes immensely. Yes. He has, like, a fear body reaction Mm -hmm. and he doesn't say anything every other time he's been like what the fuck what the fuck and this time it's just absolute silence yeah and Hotch says you go to the youth center every time you come down here but Buford says you haven't talked in years why is that and Derek's like it's none of your damn business and Hotch is like Buford's the one who told you about who told the cops about you and Damien and Derek's like back off and then Hotch leaves the room and like gives him a little look. And then Waldy and Prentice come back. <laughs> Waldy. Yeah. Waldy just makes Waldy. me laugh. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Um, I've also been throwing in a few Baldies. I don't know if you've noticed. I have. Good. Prentice and Waldy come back and someone says, oh, call Buford. And Prentice is like, oh, weird. We just left his office. And you kind of realize that like, everyone has found their way to Buford. Yeah, and I feel like this is the moment when, like, the whole team is like, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like this mm-hmm. moment, like, once can be a coincidence. Twice? Three times? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he he came to the station. Like, his name came up from the family. It came up in Derek's record. Stan has been besties with him. Like, Derek won't talk to him. It just, he's at the center of it all. And they all read it. So, <laughs> Walty goes to the interrogation room. He comes back and he goes, What the fuck? Did we release him? Hodge's face, unreadable. Gideon, super chill. Gideon's literally <laughs> just like, oh, How about that? Hmm. Wild how that happened. Wild, huh? Like, <laughs> wild. wild, huh? <laughs> Yeah, JJ's in the back like, what? Huh? And Emily's just like, oh, are we, okay. <laughs> be cool. We're here to be cool, guys. Everybody be super cool. Act normal. Act natural. <laughs> uh, so then Waldy calls and is like, call just calls like police and is like, blackmail, early 30s, Derek Morgan, whatever. And Stan is like, so you blame Carl Buford for the killings, but then you let Derek go. So like, what's, what is the truth? And we see Derek sneaking around in the dark. Uh, we don't know where he's going. And then I think it's interesting too, that like, we don't know if he's like on the run or if he's like going somewhere specifically, you know, like this 
little clip is like, oh, is he trying to just like evade the cops and get out of town? Or like, you know, you don't super know what his intentions are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get that. You know, also, we just don't know like where he's going or if he's just straight up on the run. So then JJ goes to Stan and is like, you need to tell him he's not a threat. And Stan goes, lady, he's a threat. And JJ turns around and goes, they can't be reasoned with. The lady here. He is literally like, lady, shut up. I'm I was fucking like, called for. I was like, she's a federal agent. Yeah. Yeah, it really just shows that they have no respect for anyone. Like, they wouldn't call Derek Agent Morgan. They wouldn't call, they called JJ lady. Lady. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is the moment. Prentice is like, yeah, Buford took, like, his mom said that Buford took him on trips, mentored him, like, was a surrogate father, all that kind of stuff. And then Hatch has a sad little face and goes, I may know what he didn't want us to find. And then, like, Gideon, like, looks at him, and it's like a moment of, like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. God, Derek's little speech at the end. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like genuinely emotional. This might be one of the first Criminal Minds episodes where I was like, I ended the episode and I was like, I'm glad there's time between me watching this and the recording because I am <laughs> yeah. emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Derek is at the youth center. James is there tossing the football around. Derek says, we need to talk about Carl Buford. And he's basically like, I, I know who you are. You're the center of attention. I used to be that guy. It was a lot of pressure. Always wanted to make sure he was happy. Um, and James is like, oh, I can handle it. Mm-hmm. And then they talk about how Buford takes the boys to his cabin, fishing in Wisconsin, just like real dad stuff. And James is like, you know about the cabin. And he basically, like, describes how it happens. Mm -hmm. Like, it's an accident, and then he makes you feel like a grown-up, and then he starts asking you to do things, and, like, you don't want to say no, because, like, that's your dad, the closest thing to a father that you've got, and you know it's wrong, and you know it's bad, and you don't want to do it, but you need, or think you need, the benefits that come with it so you you know quote unquote let it happen mm-hmm. you know it's like one of those things where like a yes doesn't count if you can't say no mm-hmm. yeah like even if he didn't stop it because that's what carl says later to Derek. you could have said no and it's like no he couldn't have exactly he was a child one he was a child And two, you're in such a position of power. Mm -hmm. Like, no. Like, if he had said no, you would have thrown him onto the streets. Yeah. You know? Uh, And that's what... And James says, like, I'm the one who has to get my family out of here. My oldest brother's in jail. My sister is eight and was paralyzed in a drive-by. I'm the one. You know, Carl's gonna get me into college. He's gonna help me make something of myself. And this is where Derek says, James, you are something. Right here... Right now, without Carl, you are the one out here practicing and running drills. Like, that's on him. That's you. You're doing that. And then James says, you've never told anyone. And Derek's like, yeah, not until right now. 
And that's and that's when James says, Damien always said I should call you. And this is when we find out that like Damien knew about the abuse too mm-hmm. and was trying to make James call Derek. And Derek says to James, I've got your back forever. And then Derek goes into Carl's office and Carl is there. And he's like putting stuff away. And Carl's like, Oh hey. I uh They let you out. Told them. No, they let you out. I told them it was crazy to arrest you. Um, which is not what he said at all, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Derek is like, Stan said that you were the one who told him I drove Damien home. And Carl's like, oh, was that a secret? God, I wrote down so many lines of his speech because it is so just like amazing. Derek is like, I kept my mouth shut. I let you be a hero. I was afraid of you, of the police, of losing everything I was gaining. And you made sure there was a hell of a lot to lose. And he's like, our business is over. Statue of limitations. That's my fault. And I, like, I get it Mm -hmm. why he says, like, that's my fault. Like, I didn't come out sooner. But at the same time, I'm just like, no, Derek. I know. it's You were a child. Yeah. Like, even if you were 18 when it, and you went to college and it stopped, you were a child. Yeah. And it's not your fault. Like, it's not your fault, Derek. I was just like, no. I know. And But then he's like, you set me up. You knew that Damien wanted James to call me, so you killed Damien because I would have come after you. And then Derek says, and I have read articles about this, and I think I watched a special about it, about how this episode really helped people. Yeah. The idea of, like, once that dam breaks, the flood comes. Like, this episode really helped people come forward. And I think that, like, that's why they had Derek describe the assaults in such detail because like once you hear someone talking about it especially Derek who's like the stud and he's hot and he's kind and he's funny and he had this thing happen to him you know Mm -hmm. and for him to describe the whole event could give someone who needs or you know wants to talk about this the an example the strength to do it you know And the fact that he gets to say all of this to Carl, you know, they could have just had him arrest Carl. And instead he got to tell Carl how he felt, you know, and I think that was really important for survivors to see. Yeah. I also think it gives language to a lot of Mm. things that otherwise sort of like would have been left up to interpretation. And I think it's good that they gave that language, the specifics as brutal as they were. Like, yeah, I think it's and I think good it also that that. yeah, and I think it also makes it undeniable what happened. Yes, exactly. He brushed against you. He made you go swimming naked. He gave you alcohol. Like it's there's no sometimes they leave it vague as to what someone did, but in this episode they were very straightforward of like no, here's exactly what this guy did. Here's how to say it. You know. Yeah, I think you're right about giving it language. Um. And Derek says, you know, once one person starts talking, other people come forward because they know that they're not alone. And Derek's like, you did the same thing to me that you did to them. And then Carl's like, do you know how many kids I've helped? And then Derek says, yeah, but that help wasn't for free, was it? (sighs) (laughs) And Carl's like, I pulled you out of the gutter. And Derek says, no, I pulled myself out of the gutter all the way to the FBI. I did that. And, like, oh, 
And he's like, I did that. That wasn't you. That was me. And Carl's like, like, I, I, you know, yeah, like I made you. And Derek's like, like, you're right. You had everything to do with me getting out. Because of you, I get to make sure that guys like you go down. Mm-hmm. Like, Derek is very clearly like, you hurt me. And I, I wasn't in a place where I could say something about it. But now I spend all of my time making sure other people don't get hurt. Yeah. You know, and I like that. I like it going with Hotch, too. And I mean, I think they all ultimately have that kind, not to this level, perhaps, but all have that kind of like, you know, JJ's like my sister, like killed herself. And now I help grieving families when they lose someone, you know, and Emily is like, I was neglected as a child and I, you know, know how big and scary the world is. So now I protect children. I protect people and let them feel safe in their homes. You know, like everyone has that kind of like, I've had this experience and now that I'm here, Derek's is just so heartbreaking and watching him cry. And when he just is like, I did that. I pulled myself out of the gutter. I was like, oh God, my fucking heart. And then Carl says, I never hurt you. You could have said no. Mm. Which is like, mm. and I think, I think it's very interesting that they didn't have Derek. Like that's the point where he gets arrested. And I feel like that's a line that is really for survivors. You know, like they didn't make a point of saying like, no, I couldn't have said no, you were this and that, you know, like, I, I think that just him saying, I never hurt you. You could have said no. Like it hits like a punch to the gut. It really does. Like when he says, I never hurt you while Derek is standing there in front of him crying. Yeah. Especially because we have just heard the description of what he did. Yeah. And now Carl's like, yeah, but I, but it didn't hurt you, you know? Like, hitting someone isn't the only way to hurt them. Yeah. And then him saying, you could have said no. Right after Derek said, you made sure there was a hell of a lot to lose. Like, it's so clear Carl just, like, doesn't, can't admit that it's wrong. And then when he's getting arrested, he says, I've helped a lot of kids. The neighborhood won't be the same. The center, like, won't survive without me. And Derek says, someone will keep the center running. The neighborhood will. I will. And Carl, and then Carl goes, isn't there something you can do for me? Mm. And Derek literally goes, you go to hell. Like. Oh. I know. There's not a lot we can I, add to the scene because this scene is just fucking brilliant. It is. And I, I will... Thank Criminal Minds for making Carl Buford incredibly unsympathetic. Yeah. It's like, like the point to have him say, but I'm the one, If you, without me, there will be no center. And Derek's saying, no, if I have to, I'll run the center. You know? Yeah. Derek, and then Carl being like, come on, like, can't you do something? And Derek being like, no, you don't deserve it. You know, I I really, really applaud them for not trying to make Carl sympathetic in the least. Yeah. 
I really dig that choice to just make them I, unapologetically yeah. awful. Yeah, like there is no sympathy for him. There's no, yeah, but he was helping kids. Like, was he? He was not. Doesn't seem like it, you know? Yeah, so I really, really, really like that choice. And then, so Hotch and Gideon like come in and Gideon is looking right at Derek and then Hotch is watching them take Buford away. And I like the choice of having that, like, Gideon looks proud of Derek. Like, you did it. You stood up to him. You did it. Good job. I'm proud of you, kid. You know, and then Hotch, Hotch is very much focused on good. Buford's getting locked away. The real guy's getting locked away. Like, that asshole's getting locked away. And I think those are just in character choices. Yeah. I think it kind of yeah. shows how they've been focused the entire episode. How Hotch was focused on finding the killer and Gideon was focused on Derek. Yeah. Yeah. I also, yeah. there's one thing about this scene that does make me laugh a little bit. Uh, and it's when what? the, um, when Stan grabs Buford and like his jacket like opens up, you can very clearly see that he had just put his script in his inner jacket pocket. You can read the oh script. Oh my God. If you go back to that scene when Buford's <gasps> jacket opens up, when um Stan is like putting his hands behind his back. Like, you can see the script in his inner jacket pocket. Hold on a second. It's really funny. It's one of my favorite little gaffes, actually. God, Derek's fucking face. I know. Even without sound, Derek's face is so... (sighs) Okay, hold on. They're grabbing him. They're grabbing him. I'm just looking at Derek. Oh, yeah! Oh! (laughs) It's fully there. That is so funny. Yeah, that's a script, bruh. It's straight up just a script. Who edits this show? Shame them. It's just so funny that, like, such a big pivotal scene. And his script is just in his jacket pocket. The whole- <laughs> they edit this show like we edit this podcast. <laughs> I think we do a better job editing this podcast sometimes. I'll be real with you. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll level with you. I think we do a better job sometimes. <laughs> Okay. But yeah, that is fully my that always in this like very dark scene, that always like makes me Mr. smile a little bit. I'm like, yeah, nice. <laughs> the script. <laughs> uh yeah, and this is where Stan like walks up to Derek and they just like look at each other and then Stan's like, mm-hmm. Nods, walks away, and it's like, Alright, well. Like what? We're what? never gonna talk about this. <laughs> we're not gonna deal with this it's so Stan's weird like, to me. i can almost hear him in his head be like yep might be <laughs> like that's and this might be all you have to say for yourself gent wild uh so then we're at the funeral for damien walters i love this funeral scene mm-hmm. rodney's gang is there yeah in the background being chill for a day we can all respect the loss of a you know, an inner city black boy. Like we get it. This is a kid from our community who died. Yeah. We're going to respect him. Yeah. So he's there in the background. James is there right next to Derek. Carl and Waldy are there paying their respects. And they show Damien Walters. Stan and Waldy. No, Stan. Sorry. I was like, hold up. I remember this scene very differently. (laughs) Stan and Waldy are there. 
paying respects for Damien. Um, and then it shows the empty headstone. And the empty headstone says, the lost children you are all loved and missed. And I just like, my heart. Derek Morgan is a hero. He is a hero. Yeah. Like, he's got flaws. Of course he does. He's still the FBI. But, like, as a person, my heart. Yeah. Derek Morgan. Like, that's just such a... Derek Morgan bought that gravestone when he was 15 years old. And he finally yeah. got to complete it today. Ugh, you know what I mean? He was like thirty oh. or thirty-three. <laughs> Some a man in his early thirties. A man in his early thirties. Yeah, and also the BAU isn't there. They're not. And there. I like that. This is not about them. It's not. It's about Derek. Yeah, I like. And that. I really, I, I looked around because I was like, I don't remember them being at the funeral, but I looked around and they weren't, and I was like, good. This isn't about them. It's about Derek. Derek getting to be in his home. And for the first time, he's visiting that grave. With somebody. To say, with somebody. And to say, hey, I, you know, I did it. We did it. We found him. And we got justice for you. Instead of saying, I'm sorry, I still have to visit you and I don't have a name. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, I mean, it's never pleasant to visit someone's grave, right? But it's more like, I remember you and I love you than it is like, I'm so sorry, I'm so failing you. Um, and I really, really like that. And yeah, everyone goes to the grave and it, it has words on it, not a name, but words. And that's something. Yeah, he finally got to complete that gravestone. Yeah, like and I love that. Yeah. I really, really like it. Um, he's also wearing a trench coat in this <laughs> Everybody's in their trench coat era. If Emily's in their her trench coat era, then Derek's also going to be in his trench coat era. So true, trench coat besties. Um, also, we get a hard date of Damien's death, November thirtieth, two thousand and six. So he comes back to Chicago for the holidays for his mom's birthday every year. Okay, that makes sense. So his mom's birthday is November thirtieth. Um. He doesn't go back for Thanksgiving because they worked a case on Thanksgiving. But he comes back for his mother's birthday November 30th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I dig it. I dig it. I just love Derek Morgan. I love Derek Morgan. He's just such guy of all time. He's such a guy of all times. So you know what true. I mean? You know what I mean? Sometimes <laughs> I words say... fail you and you're just like, guy of all time. I was going to say that, like, Derek Morgan is one of those people that you're like, maybe there are good men. Yeah. You know? Derek Morgan. I love him. And he can still be a douche. He's going to have a couple douchey moments. But... That's okay! We're all human. I love my douchey moments. I love him. I love Derek Morgan. I just love Derek Morgan. Okay. Closing thoughts. Great episode. Great episode. I, great episode. I love Derek Morgan. Love Derek Emily Morgan. Emily looked very nice. Emily Not enough Derek. Garcia. I think. I mean, I guess. No. I mean, okay. 
enough Garcia. I think yeah, I think there was just Derek. enough Garcia in this episode. Yes. I think she was just there to add a little bit of lightness before we uh went into the real dark part of the episode. And I think it would have felt weird if they had tried to yeah. shoehorn her in more. Yeah, I also you know think I mean? that like yeah, I also think that her being there her being the episode and her like not knowing all of the stuff about Derek like really highlights how much of himself he was keeping private because like if anyone's going to know all of his juicy details it'd be Garcia. Yeah. And she didn't even know he was a quarterback in high school. I also don't like the implication that Garcia doesn't like just look up her friends. Yeah, she jokes about it a lot, but she's also like, I know when there are lines. She's she's like, I respect my friend's privacy. I'm not about to just like look them up for no reason. Yeah. And I like that because, you know, you could make a character like that really obviously like invasive and everything, but they don't. They joke later. They joke later past where you've seen about Garcia being like unable to keep a secret. Like it becomes like a thing. Yeah. That she, like, can't keep a secret. And that just feels really out of character for me. She can keep a secret when it's important. I don't know. I I also, though, if it is a character trait of hers that she can't keep a secret, I like that she is deliberately walling herself all, off of their personal lives and being like, I, I, know, I know me. I am not about to, like, I'm not about to tempt that tiger. You know what I mean? If I read anything about them, I will, I will tell it. everybody. Exactly. So I just need to not know. Yeah, and I like that. That's You know what? Know your boundaries. Exactly. Self-control queen. Know your flaws. Know your character flaws. It's okay to have them. Just know about it. Yeah. This is a good funny. episode. Yeah. Honestly, 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10? I was going to say, is this the first 10 of the season? I almost gave it a ten. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna give it my first ten of the season. I'm gonna give it a ten out of ten. Honestly, top five episodes. There's no reason for this to be a nine, right? Like no. There's no reason for this to not be a ten. If it's yeah. if it's in our top ten episodes of Criminal Minds period, why the fuck are yeah. you giving it a nine? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I love Derek Morgan. And I know I just wanna put this on the record. I know that we talk about JJ and Emily a lot. A lot. And they are my, like a lot. One would and say a disproportionate faves. amount. I know. Um, it's because the early seasons are so difficult that they're the light in our lives. Yeah. But I, I do want to put out there that Derek Morgan is top 10 characters of all time for me. Oh, yeah. Easily. Out of any like, TV show? Easily. Yes. Any media, he's, he's up there for me too. He is an amazing character, Shamar Moore, for such a weird guy, but he's <laughs> such a good, good Derek Morgan character. He's, I mean, even when he is, like, douchey, it feels so authentic, and he, like, always apologizes. Like, he's he's a good guy who makes mistakes, he's not a douche, you know? Yeah. And I just think he's such a complex character, so many things going on with him. And we're just going to see that more and more and more. And I love him. I, I love that man, Derek Morgan. I think he's so good. I think he is. I think he's one of the best nuanced characters on Criminal Minds, period. I think he might be the oh, best, yes. honestly. Yes. 
just what yes. text says about him is so layered and nuanced and good. I think like, sure, we have like our little kingdom of head cannons for Emily and JJ and yeah, Reed. But it's so little of it is textual. But so little of it is text, like in the show text. Like mm-hmm. Derek is, I think, probably the best character on Criminal Minds over time. Like the nuance he gets, the yeah. like layers he like, has. He's like an onion. I feel like like Shrek. Like Shrek. I think that Derek and Hotch are really, really up there. Yeah. But I think that Hotch's leans a lot more into work. And Derek leans a lot more into personal life. Friendships, yeah. etc. Mm-hmm. And I, listen, I love Hush to Death, but I would watch so much Derek Morgan. Yeah, you know, he's just amazing. He's just amazing, and he's got layers on layers. Mm-hmm. And I think he's really good at at being at consistency. You know, like you can trust that Derek is always going to act with compassion and with care even when he's angry and on the edge and doesn't agree with things he like cares so much that he can put aside his feelings to help other people and that's amazing yeah yeah i like that yeah 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 i love him yeah they don't say the name of the episode. Sorry. They don't. They don't they say wheels don't up. Don't say either. wheels up. What was this? Two twelve. Okay, we're four episodes from the next time that I know they say them. <gasps> Wait, no. Next, not next episode, episode is no way out. Oh, we're gonna have listen, to go through that one. The rest of this season, wild because it's no way out. The big game. Revelation. Revelations. Something I don't remember. Jones, uh-huh. um, something, something, the episode with Emily's mom. Ashes and Dust, and then Honor Among Thieves is the episode with Emily's mom. Honor Among Thieves. Then it's Open Season, Legacy, and then oh. No Way Out 2, oh. Dance Dance Evolution. Oh. Dance Dance Evolution. Dance Dance Evolution. This season slaps. Folks, from here on out, nothing but bangers yeah well nothing but episodes i've got a lot to say about <laughs> yeah we- i have a lot to say about the next episode too no way out i got a lot to say of course you do because this no way out one and then there's no way out tokyo drift Two. and then there's fucking no way out <laughs> tokyo drift it's because it's the worst Fast and Furious movie and the worst second part of an episode we get in Criminal Minds. First part. Oh, no, second part. No Evolution. way out to evil. Come on. Dance, dance, evolution. <laughs> oh, do I have a quote? Do you have a quote? James. Okay, hold up. Let me get back on track here. James, do you have an ending quote for me? Yeah. As Garcia asks, JJ, quarterback, that's the one that throws the ball. Right? So true. Queen of football. Queen of sports. Queen of JJ literally goes, Yes. And she's like, that's what he was. <laughs> I was a little surprised that Derek was a quarterback, honestly. 
You do? You think so? I was a little surprised. I always pictured him as a running back. He's got the speed. I was going to say running back. Yeah, he does. Oh, he yeah, he does. He's good at both.